Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Minds of Media. My name is Blake Panashevitz, and today's guest is one I have been really excited to have on my show for a while now. He comes to us originally from the UK, and is, is previously a professional Counter-Strike player turned host, commentator, and marketer, having worked at events such as the Berlin Major and the ESL Pro League Finals. Please let me introduce James Banks. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, man, it's been a, a long time coming, right? We've been trying to get this organized between events and traveling and me being not fully set up in Ukraine and stuff at the time. So, yeah, it's good to finally be here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, just so everyone in chat knows, this is a live interview, so we will be taking questions towards the end of the show. I'm excited to have mm. you on the show. We normally like to start off the show uh, pretty easy um, well. and... With you, I think it's going to be a little bit hard because we're going to go into some some deep shit, I think. Um, I'm excited <laughs> for it. But one of the things I want to ask you, my easier kind of question starting out is, do you wish you would have been born like 10 years later for like the competitive side of Counter-Strike? Oh, mate, I said it all the time on stream. Like, admittedly, CSGO, I love the game. I love what it has. But I'm such an old fart now, like I'm nearly 30, where it gets to the point of like, you watch me stream, I get mad tilted because I still play like a 1.6 play and all this jiggle mm -hmm. peeking and stuff I don't think should exist in the game. It's just like not even really a skill-based thing. It should just come down to the raw tactics and aim and game sense. So little bits have been taken away from it. But I feel like if it was 10 years later, then I'd definitely earn a lot more money as a player. That would have been better. But I think I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now doing what I'm doing and kind of being there at the beginning part of it. So it's 50-50. In terms of a player, yes, but everything else, not so much. Okay, okay. So... You're from originally from the UK, which is yeah. uh, an interesting. Where'd you grow up from in the UK? I've heard that the UK has like 200 different dialects of your guys' accent. Um, <laughs> there's so many, yeah, there's many. Um, so I'm like a, a commoner Londoner, east side of London, um, mm -hmm. like kind of where we started off. Um, so I come from like kind of, oh, you call it low income council houses, stuff like that. Um, okay. My parents worked very hard to try and get us in the, the best position, best life as possible. Um, but yeah, my dialect is very common. I ain't got any fancy lingo. I don't speak posh. Like you, you hear, you put me and Frankie next to each other, right? And she speaks like proper English, like uh -huh. good background, good life, probably well-educated, most likely. I'm, I'm just guessing at this point on her, but like they have that, that way of talking that is less, um, gutter is what mine may be but. i've actually had her on the show she is very well spoken so yeah, she was, uh, she's very yeah. very well spoken so i've heard that where you're born in the uk kind of like signifies things uh like i feel like people yeah, there's a lot proud. of different uh like I, I i guess the best word is like class structure almost like a very classist yeah, society um so w what was it like where you grew up comparative to like other areas like how would people look at you guys um, so like where I spent most of my life is Reading, um, which is just outside of London in the end of it all. Um, and you'd call where I come from, like the hood, I guess, but you compare it to hoods, like I've yeah. seen American documentaries in Mexico and stuff like that. It's nothing in comparison. The things that happened like in my childhood when I was, I mean, one time I was walking to school, there was a kid who was, uh, stabbed up on the floor and then I didn't go to nursery Jesus. that day. I remember, um, my best friend was shot dead for turning to be, so he was a, a black guy who wanted to become a Muslim so he could marry this girl. They had a relationship for a long time and other Muslims basically shot him dead in the street because they didn't want a black Muslim. Some mad stuff that went on down like that. 
Um, I had guns put in my face as a child as well. We were just outside playing football because I was just mixed up with the wrong people and things like that. So that's my kind of background, which so, is why uh, I don't really fit into like the, the stereotype. <laughs> yeah. So I want to hear about some of these stories if you're comfortable. First thing I want to ask you is you mentioned that your parents worked really hard to get you into a, yeah. a better lifestyle. What did your parents do for a living? Um, so my dad at first was driving vans for a company like delivering washing machines and stuff. And my mum took the the amazing chance she had to be like telemarketing, but from home. So my mum, even though she comes from a council house background, as does my dad, she's very well spoken. She's self-educated in many things. She even diagnosed my diabetes and her own thyroid disease and stuff. She, she reads a lot. She's really smart. Um, mm. But she's like done that over time herself. And then with me... Um, and like how she kind of looked after me she was able to stay home so she worked okay. from home basically the whole time which was huge help um but my parents divorced when i was nine um i had a stepdad move in who's a, a jamaican guy second generation his dad was one that moved over first um, mm -hmm. to the uk and he was a huge influence so i was really lucky where a lot of friends i had like grew up with even no parents or just like maybe their mom or just their dad i had an option where i had my dad my stepdad and my mum and my dad would, was like a pure grafter. Like he had no education, no background, but just work, 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 work. Mm -hmm. And no matter what he'd provide, like I've got four sisters from his first marriage. Um, and all he's ever done his entire life is do his best for what he could do in any way possible to make that money and make sure that we had a better life. While my mom was, she's done everything from like bits of management and stuff, but like um, of, it was like of a recruitment agency, again, being very well-spoken, able to talk to people well. And then she took a massive career hit by obviously having me and deciding that she would dedicate everything to me to, to give me yeah. more opportunities. And then my stepdad being a black person in the UK going back all these years ago, had things where obviously mad levels of racism were definitely there, but his dad even named him a, a more white name, right? Um, and that's not meant to be said in like any kind of racist term, but definitely if he was given say a traditional Jamaican name, you would have been maybe not hired for jobs and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty common. If you send a resume in, like, I think there's even some old studies yeah. of this. If you were to send a blind resume in and you have a like more stereotypical like name, like you do get judged on that, like unconsciously yeah. a lot of times. So, so they were really, they were really lucky that their dad had the foresight and um, named all his brothers and sisters that name. But he found himself even like pushing, pushing, pushing to the point where he's now managing a company called Unilever. He manages one of their whole offices in London. Oh wow! And Unilever is a global company, and he runs one of the the best offices and the tightest ships in all of Europe. So he's he's beaten out all of the stereotypes, dealt with racism, even had bosses at other companies try to take him down simply because he was a successful black person. Um, so he's like a huge inspiration in like the working way, much like my dad's a grafter. My stepdad was again, educating himself as best as possible. Didn't want to fall into stereotypes of what yeah. people thought black people were and stuff like that. And, um, it's on my Instagram. You'll see stuff like this as well. But a lot of my friends, because of where I grew up is we've, we're a whole mix of things. Like you were a minority. If you're a white person in school in, in Reading or in, in like the, the certain parts of London and stuff like that. So you look at my friends group and it's generally like two white guys and then everyone else is a whole mix of things. So when people are very racist or have racist, um, like attitude on things, that's not stuff that I even really dealt with because I, I dealt with racism on the fact that people even used to call me the little N-word because my stepdad was black when I went to school. And obviously I'm as white as fucking day, you know, like it's it, it's it's really crazy when you, you, you see racism and you get racism given to you firsthand as someone who is not like that 
purely because what they've learned from their parents and what they then put onto um, their parents obviously said about my family. Because what happened was, is when my parents split up, my um, stepdad was actually able to buy my dad out of the house that my parents uh-huh. had. So I didn't have to move anywhere. I didn't have to change schools or anything. I managed to stay in a pretty good location. So they'd actually worked their way up to move us outside of the hood. And then we ended up in a position where it was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. But all these white people don't like my stepdad because he was literally the only black person in that area. There was no one else. And when I went to school, it was just me and two other black guys. And because of that, they were giving racist abuse towards me simply because I had a black stepdad. And that that was the shit that like really sent me on a whole wild, um, like negative spiral but I, I got out of it in the end but it kind of put me on a point of like i was fighting all the time i was not learning um and then luckily i found counter-strike <laughs> so so one of the things i wanted to ask you is i, I kind of want to touch on your parents divorce only because i've had mm-hmm. a lot of people on here and the, the divorcing i know my parents divorced when i was six and then they had another custody battle later on and it, both times for me it was pretty rough uh, but some people have very amicable uh divorces what was what was the divorce like for you Cause you said you were oh, what, like, nine? really good. Yeah, I was nine. It was like, I was blessed. Like I've seen and heard of these crazy stories. And that's one thing I've got to say hats off to my parents for is because like they really made sure everything was in my best interest throughout all of it. Obviously it, it was actually my mom's decision to have the divorce. Um, she just fell out of love with my dad. My dad wasn't happy with it. Obviously didn't want that to happen. Tried to save it. And, but even now, right. They will, I'm not in the UK, but my dad can go to my mum's house and have dinner with my mum and my stepdad. And from very early on, they made sure that they didn't go to court. They settled in terms of how money would work and how you'd kind of look after me. I saw my dad every, every other weekend. He had an amazing PC, so I used to go play all my official games at CS at his house as well. But I would generally see him every Tuesday and Thursday. He would take me to my taekwondo classes. I'd do things at the weekend with my stepdad and my mum. So literally, I have no complaints about any of it. Like, I was not hurt by any of that stuff. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you mentioned you have a lot of siblings, right? You at least mentioned you have four sisters from your your stepdad. Do you have any other siblings? Yeah, I've got one little brother who's not, like, biologically my brother. But my best friend, um, his parents were also divorced. And he lived really far away, like a two-hour drive away. So because I was always at the house whenever they were there, I basically, in in I don't care what blood or DNA says, this guy is my little brother in the sense yeah. that I've been around his life since day one. When he was at school, I used to pick him up from nursery and stuff and, and have out of his parents, like, because he, he loved having his brother around, but obviously his brother was so far away that it was only every now and again. And because whenever his brother was around, I'd be there because we were best friends. I basically just took on the role of being like a, an, an adoptive brother. And he's even done videos with me on my YouTube before. Um, I always do stuff on Instagram and things with him. And he's now 18. So, yeah, that's kind of my extended family as such, I guess. So four half-sisters and this non-biological, but to me is is a brother in every sense of what it should be. You have a very interesting outlook on family that I know at least uh, a lot of times doesn't seem to be as close. Like it seems like family is like one of the most – if I had to put like a priority list for uh, James here – Family's mm-hmm. going to be probably up there, if not one of the number one things that you probably have as a priority. Yeah. Um, has it always been like that? And what do you think helped make it kind of like that? Because I know a lot of people, at least in the United States, they're fam- like my family, I'm not that close with most of my family. Mm. So for me, um, family's always been important because my my dad's one of three, my stepdad's one of seven, and I think my mom's one of eight. And so we've got loads of cousins, loads of like 
um huge family like if you have a family get together it's like a seriously you ain't doing that in a house right you're gonna have to go rent a hall somewhere or or rent a huge restaurant out to have everyone sat at a table and like my dad always instilled in me that like there, there is family must be looked after and because i'm also the only boy by blood of my family technically i'm in charge of the family um that's how we look at it as a family so like the man it was always a pressure on me to have a son which i did first time bingo that worked um but like continue the name on because my uncle um, who's my dad's brother he didn't have a boy and then his my dad's other sibling is a, a female so she can't continue on the name when she gets married so there's a lot of pressure on me to be like have a son continue the name and kind of take the name forward and take the family forward but also in even dealing with things like if my sisters have disagreements or whatever it, it's up to me to sort things out to step in it's up to me to settle things and make sure stuff's working the right direction but we've always been extremely family orientated in everything um and even if there's arguments or disagreements it's like we've always been taught you just deal with it there and then you don't walk away from the situation come back into it like you fix problems or you ain't leaving until you kind of fixed it, that kind of thing. And I guess it comes from like back in the day when my dad was a kid in the council estates in London, because um, he directly grew up and spent all of his childhood in London, is we used to have open door policy, right? So before all the, the guns and the drugs and the madness, no one would lock their doors because everyone was friends. We were all on the poverty line. We all were just like trying to scrape by. This is, I'm talking about like, this is the kind of era of like the Cray twins when my dad was growing up because my dad's like just over 70 now. So he's fairly oh, older wow. than what, what most parents would be considering I'm only only 30. But um, the the that side of London at the time was very poverty stricken. A lot of kind of gangster activity but it was good gangsters compared to the crap we have now of these kids watching rap videos and stuff these guys were people that would take money from people who definitely didn't deserve it at least in our eyes and and who were so wealthy and achieved money through maybe politics and corruption and other stuff and uh, these guys would actually help out and give money back to to people that so it was like the the family. old mafia movies where the mafia yeah, they would they, they would they would, they would they would charge a fee for protections but they would also still do their job like it was actually a transaction mm. like yes you have to pay for this but you do get something it's not completely but it's, the difference is you, you would never have to pay anything of like you were just a normal working class family right okay. so we were just worried like my dad and his family and stuff would just be working for normal businesses and it was more that they would be making like their ideals and there's a lot of videos and books on the cray twins but this was it's very true to, to how yeah. they were the ideal back then was that everyone should be able to have a better life so if someone had a new kid or something they'd maybe drop a, a basket of goods or something like that down and it was um i guess instilled in that very poverty stricken london culture to be family orientated and then when you get higher up the class system maybe not so much does that happen obviously i've got no idea i don't come from that background but i'm well aware of where all of this comes from at least for, for my life so one of the things you mentioned kind of earlier on is like this idea of passing your name on. And that's yeah. that's a, a very old sentiment, I think. I think that <laughs> like I like when you think about that, you think of like uh, older, like almost like uh, kings and queens. Like that was the idea is that you would you'd want your name passed through and yeah. stuff like that. That's a very interesting concept. Why do you think you hang to that so much? I just think it's like respect to my family. I know it's what my dad wanted. I even have like my initials here tattooed on my chest, uh, just a B done with a star in the middle of it. Um, if we had a family crest, obviously we've got no idea anymore. My dad does all the ancestry thing and looks back at everything. If we had a family crest, I'd have that tattooed on my body. I think um, there's 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 nothing that, that beats family in that sense. And I, and I think um, 
people forget that these days and people are so quick to just like be out for yeah. themselves but end of the day when the chips are down your your family are the ones that are there for you now i've got friends who are like that who i consider actual yeah. family like i was explaining to you even with my my non-biological brother but i i really think family is such an important thing in feeling good in love in understanding and, yeah. and kind of you don't have to be on the same page you don't have to agree with everything right but family will always be there for you where everyone else can literally just bugger off and leave you screwed leave you in a bad situation just because they're focusing on themselves or they're only out for themselves yeah i i i can see that believe that so growing up um you you've already mentioned some like very traumatic things that happened to you was it always that traumatic kind of growing up in that area like when you were like six was it that bad like when did it start to get bad and you start to notice it okay so so it was bad the whole time right those areas are just generally bad but i was very lucky that my parents worked very hard and moved us out quick but it didn't stop like my friends being from there and they were the people i wanted to spend time with um so that's more on me that i kept going back to those areas but it was the area i knew when i'm being excluded from these rich normal like they live the dream life people they weren't my people i didn't fit into that scenario so i went back to where my friends were elsewhere like it, it wasn't comfortable for me um and and that's probably why i've always kind of been an outsider in other ways but i'm, I'm sure we'll get back onto that later but i mean in general like i can't complain like schooling was was good yeah. up until secondary school so primary school when until you were 11 everything was great like Teachers loved me. I had fun. I was able to be myself. But it's then when you get to that kind of teenage angst years, like 11 upwards. And I started puberty very early, like 11 or so. Um, and like, I remember hormones and stuff. And obviously, I'm, I'm a big guy anyway, but I was always skinny then, not so much in the gym. Um, and it was just the amount of abuse I got. I remember being followed home from school once and being bricked over the back of the head, um, punched up, bikes thrown on me and stuff simply because my stepdad's black. And when I went to the school, they were obviously there was, there was even one time so i'll give you this this would be a, this would be an eye-opening story there's one time at school where i lost the plot so much that like i walked home just in the middle of the day like was still supposed to be in school went to my house got a knife but without my mom seeing walked with the knife in my hand the whole way because i was so fuming and i was just going to stab this kid because he was calling my stepdad this and that and like just all the most racist words going and it wasn't for a certain teacher who stopped me from stabbing this kid this kid would be dead and i'd probably be in jail or serving time or doing whatever would have gone into it but it was because i was that fed up with just the constant abuse the constant days of just being attacked and hated for something that like i know is he's an amazing person just because these people are so idiotic and 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 moronic when it comes to like their opinions of things and um there was many times where it was just like i'd had enough so the school would always like at at one point this is how shit my school was at one point they thought i was the problem so what they did because they wouldn't take anything seriously that we were saying and they were also racist in the teachers and the head teachers and stuff like that and they um and and this is the real kicker because my mum would complain about it and they would do nothing but then they'd always have me and like at one point i was put on opposite classes which meant that i started later than everyone else um i didn't have a class with anyone else I did all my classes outside the head teacher's office when it was like break time and stuff i was just on my own because everyone else was in class so i was in like a full isolation and all it did was just make me more angry like more annoyed more yes. like why am i being like this so disrespected why am i being hated and then i'm speaking to my friends back in like where i used to live and they're like okay, that schooling's not amazing. There's still plenty of stuff going on. 
but they're having fun, they're having a normal life, like things are going. So like my whole secondary school was just absolutely just full of cunts. And I, I hope I can swear. Sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, I swear all the fucking time. You're good. You're good. <laughs> um, You're good. And and it's, it's just like I, I built such a deep hatred. And, and really, if it wasn't for Counter-Strike and certain people later on in my life, I probably would have been in that dark space for a long time because I feel like I genuinely could have been smart, but I'm so dumb and like I'm so far behind in terms of like yeah. what is book smart knowledge and stuff because I was hindered by everything. Like I remember going to ICT and I got an A star in my coursework because it's computers. I was in inside and out of it. And then basically um, some people tied me up and tied me to a lamppost and I missed the exam. So then I ended up with a, a D so I didn't even get a C. And they literally tied oh. me up because they didn't want me to succeed and they they hated my family. Like there's even times where we had so some of my stepdad's family, obviously all black people, young kids and stuff, we were in the park and people were starting to try and like fight us and bully us and stuff down there. It was just it was so wild. Like the whole thing was just so messed up, that childhood part. I, I wanna ask you, I wanna kinda like diverge for a second and I kinda wanna yeah. touch on like bullying and like school shootings that happen nowadays, because mm-hmm. I mean if you're willing to kill someone then, is it that far that this is kind of a product of our society and the way that our school systems work, you think, that we, we've seen oh, 100%. some of these things? The schools are fucked. Schools, like, literally, if I can homeschool my son, and well, I'm sure we'll get into my son's stuff later on, but yeah. if I could homeschool him, I would. I don't believe in the school systems at all. They're, teachers are just the dumbest fucks I've ever met in my entire life. Head teachers got no clue what's going on. They blame resources, but actually it's because they don't care. They're not genuine people who actually want to do their job. They may be going at the beginning when they're young and they're like, oh yeah, this is great. I'm going to change the world. Then they realize they can't change the world because it's actually the system that's so corrupt and messed up and like nothing is going to work out. And they try to teach everyone in the same way. The classes are too big and got too many people inside of it. It's just like some of the smartest people I know never went to school. Like they were homeschooled or they even schooled themselves and stuff like that. Like in general, in the UK, the school system's fucked. Our government are just the most clueless as, as, as any governments. I'm sure everyone hates their governments in different ways. Maybe there's people out there that like their governments. I don't know, but I haven't met them yet. Um, I feel like most like, Canadians like their government. I don't know. Oh, yeah, Canadians are <laughs> doesn't it? And generally everything. It's like we got legal weed. Like everyone's happy in general. Like we got maple syrup. The air's cleaner. We got yeah, every Canadian I've talked. There's food. very few Canadians who I've met who don't <laughs> like the. But no, like because I think about my schooling and the, yeah. just being held back by the system. Um, so, like it was what I was going through too. And the only reason that I got, I think the only reason I graduated college is because I changed schools to a school that was like very much higher in the tier of caring about their, their school system. And I had to do tutoring for like 20 hours a week to catch up. And like my Actually. last two years of high school, because I was so far behind just because they wouldn't finish books. Like it, it, yeah. it was like, they didn't, they just didn't care enough to actually go through all the schoolwork so I could learn. And so it wasn't my fault that I wasn't learning because I did great in that school, but it's just that yeah. they, they didn't actually go through the material for me to learn. So. There's so many things, right, as well, when you, you look at the school system is the real smart kids will get like special classes they can go to to avoid the bullies, for example, right? And they'll get a little bit of isolation. They'll get better treatment from the teachers because it looks good on their statistics. So you keep like the top two classes maybe on a good level. They maybe have one or two guys that can protect them a bit. So if they keep their numbers strong, they can just generally stay away from the shit. It's the people in the middle and the people on the lower down who are trying to be smart and trying to better themselves get grouped with all like the complete dumbasses who don't want to learn. And yeah. then they get fucked by it. And it's just like, if you, if you literally try to have more teachers, maybe... 
I'd say 10 to 12 would be an ideal size for a class and have more focus down. And yes, I know it's more money. I know all this stuff, but someone's just going to wake the fuck up and work this out because it's like such a, such a horrible system at the moment. And if anyone's having a kid or anyone thinks that like going to school, even if they had a good school experience is, is a good idea. Don't take my advice. Just, just Google, look, see examples of homeschooling. Yeah. And trust me, that is the way to go because there's, there's the proof is in the pudding. Well, we're kind of in a unique situation now. It's horrible with coronavirus. Like everyone, like the the economy is in not a good spot, but jobs are yeah. not a good spot. But one of the things about this that I find super interesting and could have lasting effects is actually on our school systems because you're kind of forced now to do everything either online yeah. or homeschooled. And so it's kind of forcing uh, the wider public in general into this either homeschool or online schooling. Um which I think uh, is is an interesting interesting idea. What do you think about that? Do you think that's going to push us into more uh, fixing the school systems? Maybe. I think our government is, or our governments in general, are too dumb to even get to that point yet. It's going to take someone to to really. There's going to have to be some huge changes, or maybe the death rate goes up, or more people are hurt and stabbed and stuff. Uh, I have no idea on the answer, but I think there'll be a lot more parents that start to see. Yeah oh, wow, this homeschooling stuff is actually legit. Like, it works. I think that's going to be the kicker. Like, that's going to educate him more. But I also think more people that come from, like, uh, how old are you, Blake? I'm 28. I'll be... Uh, okay, so yeah, yeah you're similar age to me then. So I'm Yeah, we're, we're about the same age. Yeah. So, like, people of our generation and upwards, we are wiser thanks to the internet in terms of, like, general process yeah. and stuff. And I think that is what's going to push... The, the move more to homeschooling but if you just look at global numbers homeschooling keeps going up just by a few percentage every single year so eventually it'll get there like my cousin his job was always to move around a lot two of his kids were fully homeschooled and they are incredibly successful at what they do beyond yeah. smart like crazy smart the only thing i think they could maybe do with is a bit more social skills but that comes to maybe doing more clubs or something outside of it so there's always a balance to have uh, over the whole way yeah yeah i agree with that i i don't there's very many. There's very few people I've met who've been homeschooled who I thought were not just super incredibly smart. And like I knew yeah. people who used to they'd homeschool and then they would do extracurricular activities. Like I knew cool. one person who would do all of his schoolwork in the summertime and he would literally just snowboard the entire summer or the entire winter. That's all he would do is he would practice snowboarding and hanging out with snowboarders and he would do mm -hmm. his school when he when he wasn't snowboarding and he was an incredible snowboarder. And I was like, wow, that sounds like an amazing life. I wish that I had that. So, uh, yeah, I think that homeschooling is a, a way to go. So kind of looking at your schools, you mentioned that you you did well in school and you were smart, but you were kind of held back by the systems or the schooling. Um, when did you really start to notice that? Is, it when you, is that when you hit secondary school? Um, probably when we got to like year nine. So in the UK in year nine, maybe it's still this way. You get to choose like kind of the subjects you focus on a bit more. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I'm diabetic, right? So I became diabetic at 13 and I chose sports studies because I've always been athletic. I was on the basketball team like as when I was um, in the lower years, I didn't get picked for the basketball team simply because, again, it was like I had skill, like mad skill in basketball. My stepdad was teaching me. We were on the court all the time. I had friends that played a lot and I wasn't picked simply because the other people on the team didn't want me there because I am a black stepdad. So we come back to that crap again. But the teacher was the one who tried to like force me onto it even then, still couldn't get it working. Um, but I was always involved in sports. I was always able to hold my own. So when I picked sports studies, they, they couldn't say no to me. It was like my choice at that point. So even when I wanted to excel in these things, I had business studies, geography, because obviously esports and stuff and generally traveling. Um, 
ICT and sports study. That's what I went for. And I, I should have smashed sports studies, ICT and geography like easy. But it was actually only business studies where the teacher was good enough where I completely excelled in it. And everything else was just like falling apart because I was always fighting. I was always put into the isolation. They tried to give me a counsel at one point, which I definitely didn't need. Like that was just their way of trying to say that I was the problem. So it was like, I definitely realized when I was probably 14, 15. Okay. Okay. So I want to ask, uh, you mentioned that your best friend uh, passed away, was killed. When did that happen yeah. to you? Oh, I think that was when I was uh, 21 or so. 21. Um, it, so it was way after school. Well. Yeah, yeah, way after school and that stuff. That was still when I was like deep into esports and all that kind of thing. So you one of, one of the other things that you mentioned is that uh, drugs and alcohol were kind of a thing mm -hmm. that you had suffered from. When did those start to play a role in your life? Because from most of the people who I know who, because I used to work with um, a lot yeah. of drug addicts actually, when I used to work in mental health, um, and a very common age was between 12 and 16. Yeah, I think I think I was like 12 or 13 when I first started picking up weed. Um, and obviously weed is not really, like if you do your research on it, it's not super yeah. harmful. Drug. It's definitely not good to be taken when you're that young and your mind's yeah. not developed and stuff. That's, it has it more to like, do with the age that I, I worry yeah. about weed than anything else because you shouldn't be altering your brain chemistry at the age of 12. Definitely not. Um, but for me, it was a way out of all the shit. And like, even my parents don't know the, the, the age I started. So this is this is really a first in yeah. many ways. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. When you when you watch this, this will be a laugh. Cause I what was the, the first time? How did you get into it? Because I don't think a lot of oh, people would realize. So like I was selling drugs at the time between when I was 11 and 13. Um, and that was How do you common. get involved like, in that though? Is it like one day someone comes up like, hey, do you want to do this? Like, I feel like that's a process to get into. It's not like one day you just... We, we just kind of went out for it. Like it was a way of making your own money. Um, when you come from poverty, you want to find your own way. You're not getting pocket money as much. Like I was lucky I did get a bit of pocket money, but like yeah. I I was like, oh cool, this is going to be probably the best way that I can actually find a way out of this stuff and, and live like these other kids, right? Because at that year, it's, you're, you're, you're also done with as a kid. And I'm thinking like all these other kids I was going to school with, they got all this flash stuff. Maybe they'll accept me if I'm like wearing this and that. And, and buying these things or I have respect and power but even that didn't work out so like I only did it for a few years and I was very lucky because the, the dealers that kind of accepted me and, and when I say I was selling drugs it wasn't in a sense I was actually passing on to other people basically the police would not stop kids as often right so when yeah. you're that young and you're that little I used to just basically get given a backpack it would have some money in it or it would have some drugs in it and you'd cycle to one location to another drop it off to the people and then come back so obviously they're looking for the proper dealers they're looking to get them with everything so just running it back and forward you were then part of a crew you had people that looked after you it also meant that school people were obviously there was times where i'm bringing people down from where i used to live to really make a ruckus to the school kids because they couldn't handle that and that that was the other thing that was where i had the power and that's where i really got addicted to like that kind of level of power and respect because yeah you can fuck with me on my own but you're not going to mess with these guys because they're 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 there's a whole nother level of stuff they're doing and these guys have never even seen this type of lifestyle so it's very bad and when i look at it now it's like whoa i should have never done that but i remember one guy and i've said i'm not going to name him for obvious reasons but he was one of the head guys at the time and he basically turned around and um he was like look you're doing all this game and stuff and like i'm starting to go to events and things and he's like i'm literally going to pay you obviously not as much as what i'm paying you but i'm going to give you money and you just stay at home and play your games like you can hang with us and stuff but he's like you're not doing this stuff anymore because he's like at the time these kind of drug dealers compared to the idiots you have now and this is another thing of like 
media and, and following videos like this. I love rap music and hip hop and stuff, but there is definitely some music that has a whole lot of negative um, way of talking about this life rather than a more positive way or explaining how they got out. And these guys at the time were definitely trying to make the drugs to buy a house, to have a car and then get the hell out, try and better themselves, even put themselves through courses and stuff. Now that's definitely not every drug dealer. Some people are just going in for it. Like, Oh, we're going to make loads of money doing this and then end up in jail. But like the guy that said to me was just like, look, this game and stuff's actually doing something for you. Like there's people that want to pay for you to go to these, these events. He's like, I don't understand it. He goes, I don't even like own a console or anything. I'm like, yeah, I play PC. <laughs> and um, he, he just turned around and was like, look, I can give you some money and like, we'll keep, we're all cool. We'll keep looking after you. He's like, you should probably follow this stuff. So that was my real focus on to be like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to get given money and I get to play games. And then I even went and picked up a paper round. I did a paper round from when I was 12 until I was 16, maybe 17. And that was like every morning getting up at like 5.30 a.m., going to pick up the papers, delivering the papers everywhere and just trying to earn, earn a little bit more money. So again, I think that comes from like the grafting of my dad, for example, just like rubbing off on me and what I, what I thought was um, the way I'd just try and keep that hard work ethic like the thing i love now is dwayne johnson has the thing the hardest worker in the room and he's a big inspiration to me in like fitness and just general success as well and where he comes from um his books his biographies is, is amazing if anyone is interested in checking it out but like he always says hardest worker in the room and like i've always just tried to be that even without knowing it yeah do you i i i don't mean to keep going back to this but i like i don't know a lot about like the 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 gang lifestyle and getting in there and stuff yeah. like that um and so i find it like really fascinating almost that you were kind of you were correct me if i'm wrong but you were kind of pushed into this in because you needed a group to fit into and that was a group that would accept you uh yeah, yeah. everyone else and so you were kind of forced into this and when you like i, I don't want to say forced like oh hey you have to but it was like there was nowhere else for you to go uh, mm. and these people accepted you um, and they protected you and they cared for you and they even cared for you enough to where they said, listen, you have an opportunity to get out of this. Um, mm -hmm. You should you should do that. Um, I, that's very different from a lot of other stories that I've heard nowadays, uh, which terrifies yeah. me um, in the way that it's changed. Um, oh, these guys had like guns, knives, like yeah. I'm talking about machine guns, not just pistols and stuff, copious amounts of drugs obviously there was a lot of battles and stuff and things going on but the one thing that, that that it gave me was a way of making sure that if shit really got bad for school or whatever that i could cool down on enough power that i wouldn't have to be fearing for my life when i go to school every day and i think that was the bit that was really like a, a key part for me yeah you mentioned that this was a, a good way to make money for a while selling drugs. Um, what is your relationship to money? Because I know mine is uh, very interesting, I think, comparative to a lot of people. So, like, for example, uh, when I was working in, like, Overwatch, like, you'd see people who would buy extremely expensive shoes, and I never could really grasp it. Or, like, there's just mm. things where I'm just like, that seems like a waste of money that you could put elsewhere. And this is because I grew up pretty poor and i'm like there's yeah. just there's certain things that you you can spend money on and you can enjoy it but there should be some cost utility for it and then there's other things that i see people spend and i'm like wow that's just very frivolous and i don't understand it um so, so i'm probably in the middle of what you were saying because like so for me money's very important because we didn't have much so as a kid i didn't have what i wanted I didn't have like a new pc i was playing yeah. 30 fps even when i was starting off like my pro career until my dad like went and got his nice pc which is why i kept going to play with him and stuff um and for me, it was always like money is such a big factor of getting me out of where I'm from, like pushing me to yeah. um, where I want to go, where I might see myself. And I saw money as like 
okay, money gives you opportunity, money gives you power, and then money gives you respect. And those are the, the three things that as a kid was like a huge focus for me. Where now like, I'll buy nice things. Like I'm sat here wearing, okay, this is only a gym top, but I'm wearing like a, an Under Armour um, pants, whatever you call it, trousers, uh, tracksuit pants. Um, and they're more expensive than I could go buy like a cheap pair of sweats, for example. But I, I'm, I, I come with my mum's mentality of this is like, I'll spend money on things if the quality or the comfort level is good enough to justify it. Like I've got like a pair of Yeezys, for example. I love them for events. I love them because they're super comfortable, but obviously they're like $300 shoes. I don't have to go and buy them. I'm just in a position where I can buy yeah. them. Or I'll never go and buy something. Or I'll never go and put money down on something that like is going to hurt me in the month. Like I'm not looking to, to eat bad for the rest of the month because I went and bought some crazy stupid thing. Like yeah. I don't go and buy Gucci or Louis Vuitton or any, anything too mad extreme like that. But I like nice things if the quality is good enough. Like I even did it when it came to gaming gear. I'd asked for Christmas presents and birthday presents. I wanted like the new headset that was going to give me a benefit to playing CS, right? Or a yeah. mouse that was going to potentially be better reactions faster, especially as technology was improving so quick throughout all of that. Um, it, it, it's one of those things where like I will definitely spend well and like especially to other people like I treat my son probably too well probably my missus will probably hate me for saying this but like, I definitely treat her very well considering like um, a few months ago I just basically told her like you don't need to work anymore like don't do a normal boring job like everyone has to do a nine to five that's just a fucking chumps game like quit that job yeah. and focus on your dreams so like we set her up with her fashion designing and everything like that and now she's she's killing it doing her drawings and and what she wants to do um but that's because i'm in a position where i can do that um admittedly with coronavirus it's it, really messed a lot of things up but you isn't know, that crazy we're, though we're with the opportunity way. like like just the idea that if you have enough money the opportunities that you can get in life just yeah, vastly open up like it's that's why i like opportunity crazy. being like the number one with it right because it when you have had nothing for so long and then you're able to change such a, a vast way and obviously i live in ukraine at the moment so I've, I've opted to live and it's super cheap to live here compared to the uk yeah. so i've done the property i used to work for a property company in the uk one that i helped win the international property award so of the year sorry um 2018 maybe it was or 17 it's a few years back um but I helped that property company do it, but I was huge into the investment side and learning about all of that kind of stuff. And it really was like a, a huge eye opener in terms of what money can do and how money you can make it work for you and stuff. Like I know a lot of people do stocks and the Bitcoin and crypto stuff. Like that's not stuff I really know. So it's like, I just straight up saw property was good. I saw it was a constant. I saw like what I was doing in gaming and stuff was going smarter and faster and I always made sure like I had a backup skill along the way but I just realized that money quickly could could make things better and even when like I said with the, the bad side of it like the power and respect when you're from where I'm from at a point where I was I think it was 22 23 I remember my house being like a, and this is just before I hit my depression spike I got a, I think that them years are right my mum would be better on remembering years. I probably should have asked her before coming on. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, okay. Way, one thing that's legit, I'm bad with like dates. Like at that's one okay. point, I even forgot my birthday. So I'm born on the 13th of May, the same day as my mum. For years, I kept telling people I was born on the 15th of May. I'm like, what? My mum was like, why do you keep telling people this? She thought I was joking. I was like, oh, I actually thought I was born on the 15th of May. I thought we were born on the 15th of May. And she's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's so, just easier. Yeah, Five's easier fun. to remember than three. Just change it up a couple days. It's not going to make that much of a difference. <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. It was so funny, but um, yeah, just it just opportunity has it. But the, the power and respect side of things is is, is the scary part. Because like I was saying, when I when I had this apartment, 
I moved out on my own very young. I think I was 18 or 17 when I moved out from my parents because I wanted to have my own space to do the gaming, to do content creation and stuff. And like I said, we didn't come from a huge house, huge background, so we didn't have like lots of space. And with my mum working from home, me working from home as well, that wasn't going to work. Um, so at one point, it got to the point where I had a, a lot of money because I basically worked a full-time job and I had the esports money coming in, even though it was very small back at this time. It was still like way more than what I'd ever been able to have. So there was points where I literally had an almost open door policy that all my friends would be able to just come and we'd hang out and chill. But I was really burning the candle at both ends at that point, like nine to five, gym, and then esports in the evening and then chilling with my friends. And I think I was sleeping like four, maybe three hours a night. <laughs> so one of the things that you had mentioned is that uh, you started using drugs very young. How, how did that progress, that drug progression progress? Because I mentioned it started off pretty simple, but did, like, did it? when did it start to get much worse? Um, I think I became like an everyday user of weed probably from when I was like, from when I moved out basically. I'd always had smoked a lot of weed and, and tried to keep it a secret. I never really was a cigarette smoker until a bit later on with it. Um, but when I moved out, I like it was every single day. And it wasn't just before my depression spike where I I definitely hit a low where I picked up cocaine. So when people say like it's a gateway drug, I'd smoked all that time, done all this stuff, and never touched any other drugs. Like I dabbled and had like a couple of nights where you'd have to see some ecstasy or something like that and and just because it's like friends are doing it and you, you go on a crazy one like i've never touched anything with like needles and things like that being a diabetic i don't want to do any more injections than i already have to like i do four a day i'm pretty cool with not doing any more needles but like i, I think coke was the, the the bad one because coke basically sent me on a a bit where there was a time where i'd, I'd basically broken up with a girl that i was engaged to um she was cheating on me while i was away so i've been with her for like five years we traveled, um, I was still traveling for esports stuff. I, I came back, she'd been cheating me with her boss or some mad shit. And um, I got rid of her. I, I did dumb stuff like afterwards. I ended up losing my job. Um, and I was thinking, oh, this is all gonna go bad. I just like, cause I still had some, I've always been good with keeping savings, right? Keeping some money behind in case bad days came. Cause yeah. you kind of expect it when, when you you're, you come from nothing. Like eventually some, some shit's gonna fuck up. Um, and I remember there was one point where I literally was like, have my computer desk. There was like a mound of cocaine here, some weed. I'm just staring at the screen. I'm like, shit, I, like, I need some real help. And I didn't have people around me, like in terms of friends that were able to help me. But then again, I was able to go back to my family. I was able to go back to my mom, my stepdad, my dad. My dad even came and lived with me for a little bit. I had How old were you when you recognize this? Oh, uh, 23, I think. I think it was around that age because I hit, hit depression at 24 or so. Okay. Um. So you mentioned that your best friend died when you were 21. Mm -hmm. um, did that set this spiral like downhill? Did that make it, or was it already no. going downhill? No, it, even back then things were pretty good like in terms of work and job wise and stuff. I think when you come from where we come from, you've seen enough people who are just either associates or slight friends yeah. that have been shot, killed or died for whatever reason. They're like, yeah, it was sucked. And I definitely wanted revenge and certain people did go out and find that revenge. Um, but like, it, it was horrible to deal with. It was very upsetting, but you're almost numb to it by this point. Maybe it happened when I was a bit younger, then not so bad, but like it's yeah. one of those things where it wasn't like it wasn't you're so normalized. Part of the life. Yeah, it was, it was just like he wanted to do what was good for him. He was trying to marry this girl. These people are idiots. It was wrong, but he was shot dead because like he knew what he could have potentially been getting into. Are, are you still that normalized to it? Like, is death something that is you're still oh, fairly yeah, like, used to? 
I, I was in an event the other time. One of my friends went to prison and then was killed in the prison. Someone sent for him to get killed in the prison. Um, it's it sadly like when you know these people and this is that lifestyle, it, it happens quite a lot. Like it's this normal portrayals over drugs, over money, over girls. There was one over, like there's one dumb one, which is only like about five years ago over a girl. Like one guy went to prison and they were cousins or brothers or something. And then they had sex with the girl who he was supposed to be going out with while the other guy was in prison. So he came out of prison and literally killed the guy and then went back to prison. So it's like, great, yeah, good, smart shit you guys are doing. Like, and, and I say that so normally. Other people are like, oh, my God, like, what the hell? And that's only because, sadly, these stories happen way too often, but it's never put in the media. It's never put in papers. It's all yeah. swept under the rug because we don't matter. Like, at the bottom of the food chain, they don't care about us. Do you ever worry, like, I want to sidestep a little bit. Do you ever worry about your son becoming this normalized to things like this? Is that something that you fear for? No, I've done well enough where he'll never have to be in that environment. Like, even when I split with his mum, they live in a good area. None of that stuff happens. Like, they, they literally, I'm open. I, I, the way I see myself, so my son's only three or before this year. Yeah. The way I see myself is I'll be open and honest with him. So he tells me at, like, 15 years old, he wants to smoke weed. But then you smoke weed with me. Like, I want to have an open, honest relationship in the point that he can literally come to me about anything. But he's not in an area where this kind of bad stuff will it may be possible the stuff's around him, but it won't be like anywhere near my life. So okay. I'm hoping I've been able to make a comfortable enough life that he's far enough away from this where this won't be a norm. It's more like I've had to go through this shit. Probably my parents went through worse and worse and worse if you go backwards, but we've gone far enough forward that you can keep it good. But you never know, right? Then white rich kids from wherever, like, I don't know, the nicest areas in London, they'll come out there and they find themselves addicted and in craziness as well. So as long as he doesn't go too far that way, like we stick somewhere in the middle, I want him to be street smart and book smart at the same time. So he can get his street smarts from me and he can get his book smarts from his mum. And hopefully we find a good middle ground. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's that sounds like a pretty good uh, pretty good way to kind of go about that. So you started going through esports in the early days. Uh, you yeah. went through uh, Counter-Strike 1.6, right? That's what you oh, mainly yes. played. Yeah. I started, on one point, I started on 1.3, but I was like semi-pro. So yeah. what, like, so if you look at what pros are today, I was definitely not a pro of what today's level is, but I was pro in terms of I played for teams. We got paid a little bit of money. We went to events. We traveled. Yeah. We were a shit UK team. We got wrecked on a regular basis. Like, not even going to lie, but we knew the game. We were good enough to be on like the upper echelon, right? Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that was Counter-Strike was my, my my starting. It's my passion. It's why I'm still involved now. It's why I still play even CSGO because I love what CS has to offer as a game. It's just one of those games similar to RuneScape for me, which I don't think I can ever let go of. Yeah, I I never got into RuneScape, but I played Ultima Online. And I kind of uh, oh yeah 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 I know that I know so, that. Me and uh, me I know me and DJ Weed actually reminisced about that, <laughs> which is I still feel bad about that a little bit about that overlay, but we'll fix that later. Um, but yeah, oh, Ultima boy. Online is like. I was like six years old when I started. And that's like the one game that is like my nostalgia glasses are like forever stuck on that game. Yeah, um, we all love that. Oh, so good. One of the things I was going to ask you is you mentioned that secondary school was pretty rough. Uh, one mm. of the things about you is you actually, you did go to college. You went to, uh, Woke, was it Wokingham? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Crackle so and Wokingham? Remember, college isn't, uh, Wokingham is correct, yeah. So college for you guys is like university for us. Oh, okay. College is only the bit up from secondary school, which is why it's slightly different for, for you guys over okay. in America. So it's like not 
paid like I, I no one in my family has been to university uh, at least anyone from my age and upwards i don't know about some okay. of the younger ones now maybe they maybe they have at this point or maybe they're trying to but like unless you had money you weren't going to university unless you had big brains you weren't going to university like that stuff wasn't happening so i basically just went to college to make sure i had some sort of skills and basically my goal was because esports was not known if it was going to take yeah. off or get to the mad level was okay what can I do that's always going to be a fallback? So I went to college and did computer-aided design, and then I went and got a job that had nothing to do with that. <laughs> like, literally nothing. Didn't even use the skill set of it. But it was just like, I've got something. And, and the great thing that was good about college is the teachers there were so amazing. Like, I remember I had I had one fight in um, – no, two fights in college. And one was because a boy was trying to grab his girlfriend in a way that I didn't like. Yeah. And by this point, even from what I went through in secondary school, because I found some friends in secondary school who were geeky gamers as well. So I kind of used to end up protecting them from the bullies. And then when I went to college, I kind of kept the role of like, I'm really big now. I'm going gym. People generally can't mess with me. And I've got a, a huge amount of confidence. And I'm trained in martial arts. I used to do kickboxing. I used to do MMA cage fighting. I've coached people and stuff that have won championship belts and things. Um so I was, I was pretty sure I could handle myself. And obviously a lot of these people didn't come from any background like I came from. So I remember this one guy was just grabbing his girl and um, he went to he went to push her. And when he went to push her, I grabbed his hand and he then went to swing for me. And I just basically like kicked him down the stairs, like a, a flight of stairs. And I basically told him, if you ever put your hands on her again and she comes to me, then you're going to end up in a worse time than what I do to you because I'll send people to your house. And I, I definitely got like a very protective mentality to it and the only other fight i got into was with a kid that was basically just not anything to do with like it was just a stupid disagreement and he started trying to fight me and i was like well this isn't gonna end well for you but everything else at college like teachers were amazing they understood that like i just like to so basically they were the, they let me have my earphones in 24 7 because once i'd learned something all i need to do is just listen to music and focus i didn't like talking to people i didn't like yeah. being there longer than i had to be i want to go home and play counter-strike that I'd spoken to him about like my esports stuff, so I could still go travel and things like that. Um, I even did like my end of year stuff where we were building stuff in computer design on making desks and a, and a land center and stuff. Um, I used SK Gaming as a reference. I think this is 2007, and so I was actually working for SK Gaming doing like journalism stuff for news writing. Um, so I managed to combine all of it together, and because I was able to excel, like I passed everything with uh, distinctions, which is the highest level you can get it at. And like I just smashed it out of the park. They even made me reset my maths, so I went and got a C in maths. So it was like a credible pass, oh, um, nice. where I didn't have that from secondary school. And they really like they helped show me that I I am smart and I can use all this stuff. And it was actually proving everything that I thought about what secondary school told me. I was dumb. I was useless. I was not learning properly. College took me and treated you like an adult, even when we weren't quite adults. We were sixteen at the time, so sixteen to eighteen. But like. I was even featured in their um, like the the book that comes where they're trying to promote to other people like to come to the school and obviously they generally give me like the kids that came from rough backgrounds or whatever and then have them sit with me and explain that there's ways out of things and stuff so it was really nice it was like it's where I started to get my more generosity and wanting to be like an inspiration to people. Yeah, that's got to be a that's a such a counter positive influence to like yeah. everything else. 
And like having <laughs> something like that, I feel like I feel like that's the thing is like how people end up is like a, accumulation of like all the bad shit versus like all the good shit. Like like oh definitely, it, it's not like directly one to one. Like oh, if there's more bad shit than good shit, they're gonna end up being bad. But it definitely correlates to like oh hey, like what would what would James have been without any of these good things? Without this awesome secondary yeah. uh, school? Without uh, like some positive influences? Without the the gang members who while you were working for them still wanted you to get out? Yeah. Um, like, what would you have been like? That's just that's a crazy oh, thought. That... So wild. I, I've sat and had this conversation with my girlfriend because, like, we're very good at talking open. I think it's why this relationship is so much more successful than than any I've had in the past. That like we can have these conversations about how where we've come from because she also doesn't come from such a good background and and like how you've become you and and I wouldn't be who I am today without all of this shit. Which is why I don't yeah. really care that it's happened now. It's terrible when you're going for it. And that's why like, I've even got a thing on my stream that pops up with depression that links to a video I've done um, where I'm talking to people like, it doesn't matter how horrible shit gets or how bad it gets or like what people are like, I can promise people there's some way out. Like if you can hang on, if you can keep going, there is a there is that light at the end of the tunnel. And that's a horrible thing that's used over and over again. It's just overused. Yeah. But like, it really is that way. Like I never saw a way out of this. I just thought college is gonna be more of the same fighting and stuff. And there's one teacher, her name was Sarah. Uh, I think she must have been in her 40s when she was teaching us. And like, she was always, because I was, uh, and this is going to sound really like big headed, but being a guy who was in shape and very confident and had money, especially for that age, I was quite a hit with the ladies, not like going out and having loads of girlfriends and stuff, but like, she knew I was like a bit of a flirt. So she even used to flirt with me as a teacher and then like banter me of like stuff. But then she'd also be able to kind of pull me into the classroom or pull me aside. And if she knew I wasn't like acting properly or doing something or I was in a bad mood or whatever, she'd be able to like say like, don't worry, you're here now. Like this is a safe spot and things. So she was like a next level good teacher, like just incredible. Um, so I, I owe so much to her because she really made sure like I did loads of like good stuff, even when bad stuff was going on around me. Like she really kept me straight the whole time. That's, that's crazy. So uh, you mentioned that 24, um, the the depression kind of hits um yeah i believe at 24 uh were you working for uh were you doing calibration engineering is that what you were doing uh, might have been a calibration engineer at that point yeah that's, so that's for the british army basically so they're a private company got a british army contract they repair all the electronic stuff i left college when i was 18 did that for like five years um, I even left and they let me come back because basically I completed their five-year apprenticeship in like three years because I was very good with my hands, very good with technology. The guy there, I still play games with him now. He still comes on my stream. He's His dad is the owner of the company oh. and he's one of my like closest friends. Like I can share anything with him. And um, he was my manager at the time and his dad was the one that owned the business. And he even let me basically, he, I used this is during StarCraft days, he used to let me watch GOM TV on my laptop while doing my work. So I was I'm really lucky in all this, by the way. Like, first I listened to music in college. This guy's letting me, like, literally watch streams while doing the work because he knew I was just smashing out the work, like, pumping out numbers. I was doing work that people had been there for, like, five, six years and, and, and had loads of experience. And I'm doing the same work with them after two years because, like, anything he would give me, I would just learn and, and pick yeah. it up and try to do it. And the reason that skill was so key to me is, first of all, it made my dad proud because it was, like, a, a manual skill, right? Not something that could be replaced by computers in his eyes or something else. It was a hands-on skill. But it was something where you'd always have a job, right? So even if this fails today, I can go do an electronics. It's no problem. Like, I know it inside and out. So 
no matter what happens, I will always have that to fall back on, which is like my safety net. And that makes me feel good about even taking risks or doing other things like that. Yeah. So how did you end up getting into this depression? Because I actually haven't heard the full story. So I think depression first hit because you, you've obviously got the years from LinkedIn because I'm trying to remember years, me not being good with dates. I, I, um, do, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> the, like I will say, I don't work, write bro. down questions. Like anyone who thinks I write down questions, I don't write down questions at all. What I do is I do an extensive amount of research on someone so I know their life as much as I can inside and out. That, by the way, that makes me so happy to hear because some of the worst esports interviewers are just prepping, making questions in advance, and then, then, then they don't actually have a natural flow of conversation. Yeah. Like that's what pisses me off so much about terrible interviewers. The best way to do it is do your notes on the team, on the on the actual player, go a bit more deeper and stuff, and then field your questions on how you're feeling, work it out from there. So yeah, that's some smart shit, but like, that's definitely well recommended, mate. I appreciate that. Um so, yeah, I, I guess year-wise, I think the depression hit when I was 24 or so, um, maybe 23. But, like, I remember it being specifically when I, I left the repair and calibration company, went to work for Antec, who's like a computer case and, and power supply company. They set up a gaming and esports brand that then the company closed down after six months and I was out of a job. Um, then I went back to the repair and calibration laboratories for a little bit. Then I went to the Yellow Pages, if you have it in the, the United States. They're called uh, Highboo now. They do, like, digital stuff. And this was a wild, wild way. So, basically, I went in there on a job that was, like, I went from earning, like, 30 grand a year to, to, to 17 or something. Went in and as a, an associate for building oh. websites for small businesses. Because, like, literally, I didn't want to go back to the repair and calibration because I'd already been back to them. And I was like, I love the job, but, like, I know I can do more. Like, I know I can do better than this. And um, esports still wasn't there where I could be full-time enough. At least I wasn't a big enough personality. Some of the huge personalities we have now were just starting to make it, but there's still a lot of yeah. online stuff and smaller events. And so I still needed to have this 50-50. This so I interviewed for this job. I was the only dude that turned up in a suit because obviously known from my parents how you should act and stuff. People were just going there and like treating it like this is going to be some easy entry job. I smashed the, the interview, and within three months um, of being just a normal web associate, I was putting out more numbers in terms of websites being created um, than anyone else in the office. Uh, and this is across two offices, one based outside London and then one that was in Scarborough up north. And, like, it got to the point where people were saying, well, how can we replicate what he's doing? So a team manager position came up, and I didn't even really have the interview for it. They just basically gave it to me because they were like, well, no one can do what you can do. And you'll be the first. So all the managers that were there at the time were just managers who could manage, but they couldn't technically do any of the skills. Yeah. So I was the first manager that was able to do everything and even put out output while managing a team. But the problem with what no one realized was, because we had a gym actually inside the office, which was wild, because I'd never been in a company that had a gym inside their office. I was like, this is, this is the dream. This is a big corporate company. Obviously, corporate companies do suck dick. Now I see that as like a, a huge, terrible thing. But... And yeah. at the time, I was like, this is my first go at it. So I was like, all guns blazing. And um, it was hilarious because I was basically going to the gym in the morning, so before work, strolling in at 9 a.m., have my protein shake and stuff, do my work, bang out all the websites. This is before I was a manager. And then I'd go to the gym when everyone finished work, so everyone thinks I finish at normal time. But because the office was 24 hours, basically, I didn't have anything to do at home other than play some games or like do some esports stuff. So I basically took my laptop, did esports stuff and then did my content creation and then did extra websites for them on the side. So I was able to just output so much more than anyone else. And that's yeah. just my work ethic again coming in. So when I was a manager, they put me into um, 
basically interviewed the people. I'd never interviewed anyone in my life. I was like, what the shit is this? Like, I've done interviews in terms of esports interviews. Yeah. They interviewed the higher people. I'm like, why is someone giving me this responsibility? And I basically picked the most. So I had to pick 12 people to be on my team, um, teach them the ropes. They'd go through the normal training process that the company gave, but then I'd have to like um, teach them how to be outputting like I did. And I basically took everyone that had no skills, no qualifications, had like I, everyone I looked for. Like there was one guy who even worked for me who was an ex-drug dealer. I think he'd even done prison time and stuff, was a bit older than me. But like I just picked everyone I thought that was like, I can motivate the shit out of this person and I can relate to him. Like there was a girl on there. Um, she was like very airheady, blonde, beautiful girl. Like, oh my God, so beautiful. But I was like, why are you going for this job? And she was just like, my parents always get a job. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, they don't have much money. And, she, and I looked at like where her dress was and stuff and was thinking, okay, I can work with this. Like she wants to actually have her own money and have her own lifestyle. And um, some of the other people on the team, like I picked my, so the person who was like my deputy on the team was a guy I basically stole him from another team because we interviewed together and joined at the same time. And he now works for Rare doing Sea of Thieves, which is hilarious. Like he's this epic guy. He's so funny. Um, but I was able to then snag him from one of the other teams, put me and him together. And we basically became so good, better than every other team. The other team managers were so against us that they were like, well, you have to teach us how to do this. But a lot of these people were like old in their like 30s, 40s plus at the time, trying to build websites when they could just about use computers because they come from traditional management on paper. Um, so they were teaching me stuff in management. I'm trying to teach them computer stuff and how that was. But like they, we, we won every single monthly award target. We wow. beat all the records. When And obviously when my team was slowing down and stuff, like when I got given new people and when they couldn't perform so well, because what would happen was, the managers would complain that I've obviously trained up all this super elite people. So they'd take some of my good people and they'd give me brand new people. But if anyone wasn't hitting target, I'd just quickly bash out two websites myself and just give it to them because no one could see that I was doing it. So it just okay. looked like they were. So I'm like, I'm just going to win everything. Uh, and I, I won like um, employee of the year. Um, it was it was so wild. I was like, this, this is the dream. But then what happened was people from the very top of the company um, and this guy, was in, he was so smart. He was Oxford educated, purely rich family, like lived in a family house that his family have owned for generations and like in beyond what I could ever see as like real life. Yeah. And he basically saw something in me and was like, he goes, how are you doing on this? So I, I explained it all to him and he was like, look, come and work with me more. Like I'll pull you out of, of your normal jobs. Like no one can tell me because he was like, the very tippity very very high up okay yeah like literally you couldn't if he walked on the floor all the other managers were scared and he kept spending more and more time with me so then my boss who was like an operations manager she was um obviously getting very jealous of this thinking like i'm maybe gunning for her spot but he had even bigger plans for me than that but what ended up happening was they started trying to do me for things like that was just not like stuff i wasn't even doing wrong like they were saying oh He's too close with like staff and stuff like that. Not that I ever had any sort of relationships with him or yeah. like like nothing sexual, nothing like anything other than a friendship. Um, and eventually I saw the corporate cogs start turning because it even went above the guy who was looking after me's head. And even he said, he was like, I can't protect you anymore. He's like, you deserve so much better than this. And so then I went to try to take them through a tribunal, but they're a huge corporate company. So they just fucked me on all of it. And they just lying out their ass. And and, it, and I just basically turned around and was like, all right, then fuck you. Like, I'm better than all you guys. And I still keep in contact with this guy today. And he's so happy to see like how well I'm doing. But like, even him, who's been at the company for like 30 years, it's like 
millionaire, like mad money, like just insane. Like he couldn't even protect me from the very top of it all because basically I was disrupting what was decided as the, the, the norm. So that's when I lost the job there. And then I had loads of time of unemployment. Then I hit my depression. And then I went and joined a property company, which is where you'll get onto. The problem with a property company was, and this is no joke when it comes to property, those motherfuckers are coked up to the eyeballs. My God, like beyond belief. It, it, it's, it's wild that this is not some like big news story. It's no joke. These guys are working from like seven in the morning till 10, 11 p.m. at night. And obviously I was a hard worker anyway. And I'm doing this from a marketing position. And my God, I literally was trying so hard to, to still do well. I, I got basically got to the point and it happened in the same way again that my manager kept bumping me up until I was one below her. Then the directors were pulling me into meetings. The directors of the entire company were trying to get my ideas, pulling me into it all and ignoring her, like leaving her out. So then she was worried. And then eventually they were trying to put me into like basically lead me up to run the whole department and, and go bigger. I helped us win the international property awards, mainly because wow. of my doing with the digital marketing. And that's international. That's outside of the UK. They'd never won an award like that. And um, eventually when I basically, I definitely was falling massively downhill in my depression um, and I needed some time off. And even with everything I was doing, like I used to work. So we used to do an event that would, so I'd work all day. We do an event from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. I'd go home and edit the videos until like four in the morning, as long as I could get a later coming in the morning. And they then tried to use that against me, even though that's what they agreed so they could get the content out earlier. Cause I was editing the videos, putting them on social, making all the tags and posts and doing everything literally running myself ragged and my depression just like hit me like a brick and they just gave me no support. They found any way to get rid of me. And again, that's why I can see so many estate agents like you're on Coke, you're all messed up. You're being like lied to, you're just being used and churned out. Like you're, you're like, you're some kind of robot. And that's where the depression really just kicked my ass, like destroyed me. I felt so hard back and, and it really took like a massive step back in my life. And, th and this is like, I was saying like 23, 24 years old. And you're supposed to start to have things like a little bit more figured out by this point. Yeah. So what was the the depression like? And were you still doing esports during this time? Like what was esports looking yeah. like at this so time? I was commentating anything I could get my hands on. Um, basically, I've spoke about this before on, on Foreign's um, podcast that like basically uh, Red Eye got hired for Gfinity. I was Gfinity's go-to guy. Basically, they hired me for every league they'd ever done, every tournament. Red Eye came in was just a bit of a cunt decided like because everyone thinks this guy's such a nice person but like he was definitely not nice to me and he it's been publicly put out there in the past that he's not been nice to other talent as well at times and he basically turned around and said you will now take the interviewer role you will not be a commentator this is when i was commentating grand finals with semler who is like huge yeah. huge like my god and he basically decided i had one bad performance when i commentated the grand final and it's because my blood sugars as a diabetic went low the production staff even had to get me coke because we'd worked so long so i had sugar intake while doing it and it's where this video comes up at the would you look at that meme because basically when your blood sugars are going your body's shutting down your brain's slowing yeah. down i'm still trying to commentate so i'm just saying the same phrases over and over again semblance like carrying my ass but it's literally the only and i'm so nervous as well i'm doing a grand final in front of a full audience of people it's a big ass game like it's so hyped and i i, my, I was just dead not because of anything depression wise but because of my my body physically yeah and um my diabetes just it just was mismanaged at the time by me. You're running around trying to do so much, trying to eat and stuff. Um, and Red Eye basically forced me to move to the interviewer role and basically said, like, 
well, you'll be out of work if you don't take this role. So it just gave me no choice. And you can't mess with someone that bigger than you when it comes yeah. to this. And that was definitely like being bullied by an, an, an old man. And well, look at his career now, right? Like he, he's not doing CS anymore. Alex is a, a million times better host than him. Stunner as well. Like those guys are out there doing well, but he's quick to take the praise for everything. But like he, he he's trying to hide his own thing. Like he's got that like book out at the moment. But but this guy, like I even, I face-to-face at Katowice maybe two years ago, I brought it up to him. And he tried to be act like, oh, it's all cool now. Like, you're doing well. Like, it was nothing personal. It's like, it definitely was personal. You just want to put your friends in the position. And so, like, just, you can tell, again, he's from some guy. He's just a, a guy from this nice background, perfect normal life and stuff. And he thinks he can just take all this control. Well, that shit's changing now. The world is changing in that sense. More people are being open and honest. And and basically, I was doing esports nonstop, right? I never really stopped. I had, like, a one-year gap during my depression where what I did was... um stream more and, and, and play more games on stream because I couldn't do the events, but I still pick up events where I could just do like a Saturday, Sunday, or maybe an evening commentary, yeah. even if it was no money. Like I never, I never would be completely out of it. So that's kind of where I was at that point. Yeah. Um, you actually, like you have a very interesting kind of perspective with esports. Um, it feels mm-hmm. like a lot of times esports, they're like, it's a very small community, even though it's very big. Like, right? Like, yeah, that's the best. Definitely. Like, it's like everyone pretty much knows everyone. Like, uh, like there's a lot of people who know. And, like, I'm not big at all. I'm very, very small. But there's still like a you lot fantastic of. fantastic work. Because I meant, uh, like, when I saw you, right? It was the Anders one you did. Then I was like, okay, this shit's doing, this kid's doing something different. Like, this is, this is, well, but when I say kid, that's like slang. I know. Like, you're good. You're kid. good. I understand. I understand. <laughs> I also look like 12, James. I look 12. Okay. You thought it. When you first, when you, when you asked me well, my age earlier, you were like, this kid's like 21, 22. You don't it's like okay. an old man like me. You're I know. lucky. This will benefit you uh, later on in life. Yeah, like mate. 10 yeah. years from now, maybe. <laughs> but so. like, I, I legit had this many times, right? Well, I'll, I'll call people because very British saying is saying son to people, like, oh, go on, son, like, do that. Yeah. People are like, I'm not your son. It's like, I don't mean it literally. And then I have to explain yeah. it also. That's no, you're good. Into. Other people <laughs> use that slang, so we're good. But yeah, so, so like, your, but there's still Anders people who know amazing. me. That's why I'm here now. Yeah, that, that's why I was happy to do it because I saw the one you did with Anders and I was like, okay, this kid's doing something different. It's very good. I like the kind of content it is and it's very open and honest. And that's kind of where I want to put myself now. So, yeah, props yeah. to you on that. But, but like what I was getting at is like the networking is very small and people know each other, mm-hmm. but there's also, there is an aspect of, I feel like, I feel like sometimes people try to hold other people down and I feel like oh, with definitely. your life, uh, it's happened actually a lot, like through, uh, yeah. journalism, through hosting, through commentating. I feel like oh, it's yeah, happened to you. Oh, those comments just need to fuck off and be destroyed. What, what do you hate thing. about BBC? Literally, yeah, they made an article on me where they took words um, from my tweets from years ago when I was a kid. And one was about saying that there was a mixed team, yeah? And they took mixed team as I don't want mixed genders. This is all because mm. I won an award at the um, female, it was the women's esports. You got a lot of crap oh, for that. Yeah, oh, mate, I, that nearly put me back into depression as well. I, I, this this is a story and a half. So, oh, God, I feel like my life. So Sponge and Foreign say my mo- my life is like a movie. Like when you explain this to people. It's like someone's taking a movie. So maybe one day if I ever get so famous, they'll make a whole movie on this shit. Someone really good looking can play me, hugely jacked, you know, like just yeah. make me look amazing. Don't even have to wear the glasses at this point. Let's go for it Hollywood style. But um, yeah, it, 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 it's it's incredible. So I went to this Women in Esports Awards because 
Back in the 1.6 days, I managed a team with no funds. I helped them get sponsorships that were not just them having their assets, you know, like boobs and stuff, showing having to wear skimpy outfits and stuff. Um, I got them a, a great deal where they could be actual professionals. I worked with many players. I worked with Pansy when she first came up as a commentator, was commentating with her. Like, I let shocks before she was even big in League of Legends. She was working at SK Gaming, come to our team house in Korea, because I liked the content, I saw how skilled she was. Like, I've been nothing but positive, and especially when I have so many females in my life, they're so important. Like, I would never. And they took my tweet that said about mixed teams, which in Counter Strike, mixed team means like if me, you, and a bunch of randoms put a team together and attended an event. I basically said that people should not be going to LAN events if they are a mixed team. Like, yeah. Proper events. It, it, you're messing up the system. It's not legit. Like, you might yeah. have one gung ho thing. And I don't mean like, Anyone can make a mixed team and just go to an event, yeah. But I mean, like, we should not be seeing mixed teams at like majors and ESL ones and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And they took that tweet, made a whole article around it, say how I didn't win, deserve to win the award. And then this dumb woman, oh, I forget her name. She's just irrelevant anyway. She works for PlayStation now or something. Um, she just basically went on. She was on a panel with me when I'm giving advice to all the other ladies in the room about how to do things, how to be broadcast, do all this stuff. And, and she turned around and went to the BBC and just agreed with him and said, I'll give a quote so I can be on the BBC. I'm just like, yeah, he seemed really off. Yet every other person, every other female at the entire event applauded me when I got my award for my achievements, what I'd done to push female gaming forward. And the BBC literally took this article and just said, like, guy wins thing award and balled up these tweets at it. Now, there's one bad tweet that I did when I was a kid, right? I was, like, 18. I came back from Sweden, and Sweden has a lot of very good-looking women. And I put a tweet out that said that the standard of women, the uh, quality of women has dropped. Now I've come back home. Okay. It was a dumb fucking <laughs> That's comment, a bad right? <laughs> You're, you're young. You, you know well, it's bad. You know it's yeah, bad. It, it, and, and it's like they pulled shit up that long ago. It's like... What the fuck is wrong with you people? And by the way, so at this time, I'd already split with my son's mum and I had my son for one day. They gave me four hours to respond. So I had to try and get my agent to help me out. They gave me four hours to respond and said so they're releasing the article without fail if I don't respond. Jeez. You, you're like, this is your only chance. And I even spoke to the woman on the phone and she was just an utter cunt. Like, fuck the BBC. They've got no work ethics. They come to esports events and try to be treated like they're fucking royalty and then ask dumb people questions like, what did you have for breakfast today? What game are you looking forward to? Well, they're playing one team today. So you should have done that if you did your own fucking research. You absolute numpties. Like, literally, just... It, like, never I feel get like in the BBC just series. knowing that they're playing a team, I can come up with at least five questions that are at least relevant, yeah. and I know nothing about who the player is or who the team is. Mate, oh. I, I, so they tried to interview me during the uh, Berlin Major, and the guy they had obviously had no idea about my article, and this is what was amazing, because I even said, yeah, I'll accept the interview, walked up to him, and was like, so you work for the BBC? I was like, have you done any research? And he's like, oh, I know about you. And I was like, go on then, give me, give me your, your, your numbers. And he's like, well, you've done this, 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 and this. I said, do you realize that you cunts wrote this article on me? Literally tried to trash my career, lost me work, lost me jobs. And then when they tweeted out a feminist or non-feminist, because feminism is so, this baffles me as well right now, because it used to be about equality. And I was all for that because there should be equality in everything from- You just have extremist groups. Race, age, but we've gone so far away now where people don't actually want equality. What they want is females to be up here and everyone else to be below. So this group with 300,000 followers on Twitter retweeted the article and tagged me in it. These mental cases were taking pictures of me and my son when I just split with his mum and saying, you 
deserve to have your son taken away from you because of that awful human being you are. No wonder you're not allowed to see him. Blah, blah, this, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was all this absolutely horrendous stuff they were going through. And I mean, I was I was so on the like I tried to fight him at first. My fans tried to fight him because there's so many of them. You couldn't fight him. Like, you just had to lock it down. I had to basically, I basically, my agent changed my password, locked me out of Twitter because I just couldn't handle it anymore. Like, I was going to have a meltdown. And these people were just the utter scum. So the BBC never even apologized, never even took the article down. It's still out there now. And they're just, absolute cunts the person that works for the bbc the, the woman that put it together literally i hope you have every bad luck you could possibly get because karma's going to eat you up very shortly love like it's just disgusting oh. they were taking pictures so one of my fans replied they took a picture of his dog yeah that his, his dog had died and he put up a post from like months ago saying like blah 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 really upset and they were like oh because you support like people that are against females that your dog deserves to die. It's like, Jesus what? what is this? Like, why is this, this real life? This brings up an interesting thing with online bullying um, in general. Oh, and like, because like, like you mentioned like in school bullying and the, the extremes, but both of us kind of avoided the social media as far as like growing up as a kid. Like it wasn't oh, as- I love that. Social media wasn't there when we were a kid. Like when I was a player, no social media. You just oh, I know, right? Happy days. Oh, it was heaven. Please. There's, Cause there's like, nowadays there's actually a lot of correlations between like young teenage depression and suicide related mm -hmm. to social media. And it's terrifying. No um as a concept and you being a uh, personality who's on the internet you see a lot of this hatred every day um or all like a, a fair amount yeah. what do you if it, it, if it wasn't for my mum, i'd be dead right now because i was so close to suicide like the, the, some of the comments i was getting mate was unreal it was literally telling me like i don't deserve my son when i'm literally going through stuff where i've just split with his mum. they were telling me to kill myself they were telling me i was a worthless human being people were saying they were going to come to my house and find me and i'm not a person that's scared or threatened right but like when you've got an angry mob like this telling you they're going to do this kind of stuff and you can't defend yourself because you don't know where it's coming from and the bbc caused all of this people wonder like they're this Dickhead journalist, this guy, he's now working for the BBC in the gaming sector or whatever the fuck they pretend it is. And he was like, we're not all bad. He said this recently to me. And luckily, Foreign even stepped in to help me out because people were trying to like say, oh, well, it might have changed now they've hired him. He still doesn't know anything. He's still working for a, a horrible company. If he's actually got any ethic within him, he wouldn't work for them. Simple as that. Like BBC have done no good. You go look at their other articles. They've done articles on females gamers where they basically twisted all the words that people like Miss Harvey, who's a legend. I literally worked alongside yeah. her when I was at SK Gaming. They, they, they took words of hers and turned it around. They messed up the words that Giuliano said and took it out of context just to create an article with clickbait titles and things. We're back at it so uh welcome back <laughs> i'm happy you tapped okay. out before me uh, <laughs> i'm so happy oh, um mate if you ever try a juicing diet right they say to drink more water so like you're supposed to take vitamins and stuff as well so basically obviously we're quarantined so we've been quarantined for two weeks it means we're going out less i can only yeah. work out from home workouts can't use a proper gym so i even bought some like weights and kettlebells and stuff now and um it's wild is my camera moved by the way because it's like my head's just dropped down even lower oh, yeah yeah you my did. camera yeah, my go. camera is so terrible. Oh, it's okay. Basically, I borrowed all my stuff from WePlay because I had no computer here in Kiev. I just had my laptop, so I borrowed everything from elsewhere. Let's see how it looks. Does it look good now? You're happy with no, that? No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Cool. Looks really good. Yeah, we're doing this juice and diet to detox and also like um, stay healthy, not have too many calories when you're not doing as much. Remember, we're literally just stuck at home. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah it's really good for like cleansing the body getting yourself out having a bunch of um vitamins alongside it but it's like drink so much water as well so you're having juices and loads of water it's just like oh yeah. my god i don't I, think i've ever been to the toilet so much in my life i quit caffeine uh what three months ago now i think like oh, wow. i completely cut out caffeine because i drank way too much you caffeine just, you just like dead cut it as well oh yeah uh well it's because i used to work with addiction stuff and so everything that i know you should just strictly dead cut like most things oh, wow. so, okay. not alcohol because you can well, yeah, so not alcohol because you can die and not uh, benzos because you can die from cutting those. Like those are the two things that if you cut strict, you'll die from, so you have to be brought down from them. Interesting. So, yeah. So. Well, fair play on the caffeine. Well yeah, done. but yeah, it was it was the first week was rough. After the first week, I've been good, and I haven't like when I traveled recently. That was actually the hardest time dealing with caffeine. And occasionally, when uh, the girlfriend makes coffee on the weekends, <laughs> like the weekends specifically, yeah, I can smell it. But when I'm traveling, I used to always get uh, like espressos and lattes when I would travel. And so when I traveled recently, it was like the hardest thing because you can smell the coffee, and like even now, I'm, like salivating thinking about it. But even in this, the airports, that's the worst that smell travels so fast oh it does inside it's just like everyone's getting a coffee right now oh yeah yeah. what else to do just like oh yeah i can smell it like crazy yeah so we were talking about uh, a lot of the bad stuff and companies that have pushed you down and you mentioned the the bbc Uh, but that's not the only company Uh, unicorn um is one of those companies that (laughs) yeah oh god this is where that research comes in you left unicorn because they were doing some shady shady deals yeah, okay. big what, what what happened? Um, so it's, it was a German company that they set up, but they're an American organization. Now, the American side of it um, is epic. The guys behind it are solid. Can't fault are them they? in any way. Okay. Um, I've had I've had a really good relationship with them. I never had any problems with them. But the German side was put together. They hired a guy called Tom Lemke. He was working on come from other betting companies, and he was going to start the EU office, and they were going to get an EU license, and we have to do all this stuff, and, and it was all going to be amazing. Then they then wanted to create a content studio, start doing streaming, and they picked me as one of the people to come do it. it Sound like an awesome job. Um, salary was looking good. I think it was explained to me, but like it all quickly fell apart once I moved. So I moved me, my ex, and my son, who was less than one, to Germany because it was like an opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, and it was just so much lies and bullshit. Like I finally thought, like I can go full time in esports. I can have a stable salary to support my family, and they were going to let me do freelance stuff on the side as well, as long as it didn't clash with their stuff, which made perfect sense to me. Yeah, I came in working with a woman called Petya Foxy, old school legend, female um, Counter Strike one point six player. Still now, she works at Twitch. Amazing person. Even she was getting fucked. Like she left before I left, and um, basically, this guy Tom Lemka, who still was working in companies and stuff now. Luckily, I don't think he's anything to do with Big Clan anymore because I've got a good relationship with them. He's just an asshole. Um, this guy, full of just so much bullshit. Like they offered me a salary. I obviously was looking at German livings and stuff and, and how it all worked out. And um, they basically told me that this is what you have. This is like the kind of property prices and things. This is what you'll be able to be like support your family on. So obviously my girlfriend at the time couldn't work. Uh, mother of my child, she's looking after a baby. Um, did it all, made it all work out and went over there. At first they took you to like fancy dinners, you know, like really nice restaurants in Berlin, showed you around. Oh, they, they bougied you up. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna show off a little bit. Okay. Big time. And then at the beginning, everything was great, right? We were getting budget. We were being sent to events. Um, 
I started to get like to do all the interviews with top players, have relationships that I already have with these players, but I could do it in person where I wasn't being hired for events. I was still able to do the content. I got us deals to commentate like big time events on our channel. Like at one point, I was up at like 6 a.m. in the office commentating Australian CS. We even ran our own Australian event. I was, I basically, as a solo person, there was a team of people like doing graphics and all that stuff, and Peggy was managing it all. But in terms of like getting the interviews, getting the prep done. I did everything. Like I was just the the solo man for getting content. If you look at their YouTube now, some of the video views and stuff they get on it, it was popping off on Reddit. We were killing it. Like it was amazing. And then Tom started like coming up with these ideas saying he's going to get this money, get this thing, this was going to happen. And it was all just like one after another. Lie, 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 lie to every staff member. Now, weirdly, and I don't know if it's German culture or how it works in an office, but a lot of the people he had, very talented people. Some of them have gone to work for like G2. One guy works for Stark now, and they're amazingly skilled video editors, graphic designers and stuff. These guys basically would not really go against their boss. And I don't know if that's a German culture thing, but it was like, what the boss says we do, just follow the order. Well, I come from an open world of where like, well, if your idea is shit, I'm going to tell you not this. Not okay. Oh, your idea is shit. We say, actually, no, it should be done this way. I understand how business works. I understand how to talk to people. He would just not take anything that was like slightly criticism. But then he'd still try to play the nice card. So at one point, and this is where it got really mental, his way of punishing me was trying to tell people in the company that he was going to fire me. Now, obviously, I'm a nice guy and everyone liked me. Now, you may not think that from what you hear or see on this video, people, but like I'm just honest and open and myself. So these people were telling me like, oh, he's going to fire you. And so I went to the Americans and was like, why is this guy saying he's going to fire me? He's like, oh, um, we know nothing about this. And I'm like, so I spoke to him and he's like, oh, I'd never say anything like that. And it was just all this snaky stuff. And um, basically he was not happy because obviously I was coming up with things that maybe were going against what he had in mind. But once you've been lied to about these ideas and these events and these things you're going to be doing multiple times, why on earth, right? would you think that this is going to be working? Like people are going to still believe yeah. in you. So at one point we planned maybe four or five different projects, full planning, the whole works. And he'd be like, oh no, now the money's not coming. Oh, America said no. And he'd always blame the Americans. So eventually I just started going to the Americans and was like, we had a Slack channel, right? I don't know if you used yeah. Slack before. And it, it, I was talk, talking to him there and he was like, oh, now you're going behind my back. Now you're like talking to him because obviously they were coming to him saying, what's going on here? And basically he was doing some mad shit with the money where like he was juggling it or putting it somewhere else or I don't know what he was doing. It was just like, it was so awful, right? I I, I still, I don't have any personal information on how it went down. I'm giving my opinion on on what happened on this. I can only talk about honestly my my side of things. And on on my side of things, he basically then tried to, to penalize me where like I said that, well, okay, we need to start doing this, this, and this. And then we lost my co-commentator twice. First co-commentator actually fell ill, very unlucky, just unfortunate German yeah. guy, ex-pro, um, awesome guy to work with. The next guy I had was Hudge G, another ex-pro from the UK, moved him over and his wife and everything, and it was oh, looking wow. good. But he couldn't handle the whole situation living in Germany, so he wanted to go back home, which, fair enough, that's, that's sometimes not for everyone. Um, and then I even went through the process of, like, trialing out random people and letting them try and and, and have an opportunity to commentate and, and see if this could work and things. But basically, this guy had lied about so much, promised so much. Like, at one point, they even cut my health insurance. And as a diabetic, I need my company health insurance because in the UK, it's free. But in Germany, you have to pay for it. 
And then he told me health insurance is free and covered by them, but I still had to pay more money. And then at another point, they stopped paying my tax. So when I tried to leave Germany in the end, like my tax money wasn't fully paid off, so I had to pay even mm. more money. They left me in Germany. My, my ex-girlfriend was obviously very unhappy with all of this. So she, and this is the whole another thing, just relationship stuff, but like she basically decided, well, this is enough is enough. This guy's, I'm getting fucked. This thing's not working. I'm trying to make it work. I'm trying to fight it in a smart way because I still believe that this project could work if we just remove this Tom Lemke guy. Um, by the way, he's still in esports, but only in German esports because I just won't allow him any. Like I even tell events I work now, they're like, if he tries to get on, like he tries to get on by, I work for this company or I work with these guys. I just said, no, like he tried to come to the Starladder major and I made sure Starladder just had his name banned from any access list. So he just could not get in. And that's in his home city of Berlin. Like, I don't want to be near that guy. He's a scumbag. He should not be in the scene at all. Um, and he just lies throughout his teeth and tries to live this like big lifestyle. Like he once said he was the owner of Mouse Sports or some shit. I actually met the the real owner of Mouse Sports, and he was like, "No, this guy never owned it. He was involved for a little while, but he never had any ownership or anything like that." So it's just like a, a compulsive liar, like a horrible businessman. Um, but basically, the, the package deal at the end was if things didn't work out, because obviously I took a big risk, moved my whole family over, that I would be paid the moving cost money back um, to leave. But what they did is they withheld my final month's uh, salary. And so I had no money, no income other than doing online stuff. And shout out to ESL, by the way, because ESL gave me so much online commentary work when I couldn't do anything else that it was literally all I had to survive and support my entire family while Unicorn fucked me. I was burning through savings and trying to pay off all the stuff. I had a very good salary at Unicorn. That's one thing I'll say was it was very good. Um, But it's just how they managed it all, how they fucked me. And then... um, even in terms of like, there was, so my son was due to have a, uh, a heart operation for his heart murmur he had. Um, and when they cancelled the, the insurance, that was gone. So I just, I, and this is where my bad side came in. I flew off the handles, right? I literally lost it and went in on this guy. Probably at one point it went through my mind of, I will pay someone from back where I'm from to fly into Berlin, kill this guy and then fly back out the same day. Like Christ. you don't fuck with my family. Like, that's that's the end of now. That's very dumb. That's very childish. And definitely not something I would do now. But I was at my end of my tether. My my then girlfriend literally just took my son when I was working away at another event and left. And she left me while I was working away because she saw I was getting so unhappy and depressed of all this, trying to fight it. Because I still believed I could win. I was like, well, I'm right. I've not done anything wrong. So when I then tried to leave Germany, they did not. Um, they did not leave um, to me the money that they were supposed to leave. So, like, I had no money to get back home. I had to then grind out money myself. Then the German government, this is what's really fucked. When you try to sign on as, like, you're now unemployed, they'll pay you a percentage of your salary so you can get yeah. basic stuff done. But they will not talk to you in English. It's literally, they'll provide translators for other languages, like Korean, Turkish, other things. But the guy told me, and this guy, I can't name him, but he's a legendary guy because he turned around and said, if I get caught talking to you in English, I will lose my job. I'm like, can I have a translator? Then he's like, you'd have to provide and buy your own. I'm like, but why? No one else has to. And and this is just a weird, weird situation. So luckily, some of the guys that worked for Unicorn are still cool with me. They came to these meetings and stuff and helped me get all the paperwork done, but it took a long time. So there was times where I was like, couldn't pay rent. I I couldn't even buy food. Like I'm literally just trying to grind out the stream. There's a guy, Louis, um, on my channel, and he donated like, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of money um, just to even keep me going. He subbed, like gifted over 200 subs. 
Um, just an absolute, like without him, I promise you, I would not have been able to keep my house. I would have just been completely fucked with no way to get home or anything like that. And coming from, I don't have a wealthy family. There was no way to get out of either. So it was trying to dig myself out of this hole that Tom Lemke has caused. Then when I went to the American said, okay, I want to take this further. Like we should look into this. The, basically they said there's nothing they can do because they're the American side and I'm signed to the German side. And so I didn't have money to fight in German court. They wouldn't even screw him over. Anyway, once all this went down, I went semi-public with it that obviously I'd left and the bad shit had happened. So the, some of the best pro players in the world with hundreds of thousands of followers, like Fool and Get Right, like big CSGO names, retweeted it, pushed out my work out there. I was getting a bit of more work coming in. But then um, it came to the point where this guy tried to, once again, worm his way out of things and just lie some more. But now, if you notice, I've called him out multiple times. I called him out on a live stream back in Malta. I was on the foreign podcast, where I didn't go into as much detail as I have with you, but I, I covered over it briefly. Um, and now I'm doing this as well. And he's never come forward to try and fight against any of this because he can't. I've got emails. I've got proof. I've seen everything that they've tried to fuck me on. They still owe me 10,000 euros minimum in terms of what I had to move. And I had to work all of that out myself. I then had to leave Germany on my own. And because my girlfriend took my son and just left where I was without telling me or anything in germany you have to register to live there so i could deregister myself but then i had to get them deregistered without them being there which was incredibly difficult i got absolutely like reamed out from every side possible and i have no like i i didn't feel like i was falling back into depression but it was like this like really like whoa i, I just i didn't know what i was doing do and i i was heavily back on smoking weed again because i just needed to, like every night just kill my mind because there was all these horrible thoughts going out then at one point, my ex came back, dropped my son off, and then left in the middle of the night and left me with him for two weeks on my own while I'm trying to earn money, while I can't even provide food. And so, like, I'm, like, looking after a kid, trying to be the best dad possible. Literally, I remember I was doing two injections out of the four a day so I didn't have to eat so much. Not good for your body at all as a diabetic. And then making sure I can feed my son and look after him while working all the online events at ESL and luckily getting money in through the door. And it was just all because of this absolute arsehole, all his lies and just a scummy way of doing business. So if anyone sees Tom Lemke, anyone has to deal with him, just just avoid him like the plague. He is a scammer. He's a cheat. He's a liar. He is one of the people in esports that should never see the light of day again. And anyone that is anyone in esports already knows that anyway. But it's definitely a recommendation to anyone young that might be coming in and gets a crazy offer from a man with a, a hell of a lot of problems. The only good thing that I did find out from people who still work there now is that he had a son of his own or a kid of his own of some sort. And his thing was that he would never have to be traveling with the work again. Well, once all this stuff starts to go public, Rahul, the CEO of Unicorn, he demoted Tom to a position where he has to travel loads and basically doesn't have as much power. So he had to make that choice or leave the company. He might have left Unicorn by now. I've got no idea. But he definitely got fucked like that. Imagine like karma getting you in that way, that your wife has a kid and you're not supposed to be traveling, and then you have to travel like pretty much all of the months of the year. Unlucky. Don't be a cunt. And then maybe you won't get fucked over like that yourself because he deserves a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that I would feel bad for his kid, though, because while he might deserve yeah, definitely it. For his kid. Yeah, 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 of course. And and for his uh, wife. His wife didn't yeah. do any of this stuff. But sometimes karma has a, a funny way of working things out. That's that's fair. So, um, 
God, you have so many stories that I love to hear. So another one I wanted to ask you about. Um, uh-huh. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm sorry that you've gotten fucked so many times in the public because I swear to God out of the – you might hold the record of the, the most times fucked by – by different it like it's actually insane how many stories are so one of the ones i wanted to ask you about is you briefly had a stint with fighting games that i know about mm-hmm. um oh, and yes. there was a huge oh. story there where again you kind of got fucked what is the actual story because i've only read like reports that have come out of it what happened from your perspective so so let's say right if i wasn't from where i'm from like we spoke about in the earlier part yeah. of this episode I wouldn't keep bouncing back like this. If I wasn't a legit person who doesn't have all these nasty things that we want to try and make or do to me, I wouldn't be able to keep coming back, right? I, I definitely just wouldn't be here anymore. The fact that I have people like Foreign, Richard Lewis, Sir Scoot, like credible people in our industry who will vouch for me and will, will always support me because they know that, like, although I've done some dumb shit, like during my depression, I even... Jackie Snods, um, Lol Bainlaw, who does the stuff for Richard Lewis, we all did an event together. And I was an egotistical asshole. I was I was really up my own ass. It was when I was going through all the unicorn shit. Me and Jackie have spoke even recently, and he didn't know what I was going through and stuff with losing my my girlfriend and obviously losing my son. Um, and I'm happy now that I've basically said everything I've done bad, everything that I've done wrong is out in the open. So you can't fuck with me anymore. I'm now before I used to, and this is what we didn't touch on actually, is that. I used to basically go to these events and try and fit in with those guys of being, I'm nice, I'm a normal person, like my life's not so bad. And I just, I was trying to be someone I'm not. And that also didn't help with my depression because I was basically like almost a bipolar without being bipolar, you know, like I was trying to be the type of person I thought they might want me to be, but then I wasn't being myself, which then made me like less fun to be around. Like, I, I basically have now learned in the last two years, which is why I've seen so much more success as an interviewer, a host, a commentator, is because I'm me. I may not fit in with people. Like sometimes in the green rooms we have events and I'm playing Pokemon on my Switch um, like before we, we start work or after we're working and they're all maybe they want to go and, and have a few drinks or go to a restaurant. I don't have as much in common with a lot of these guys. I don't come from a similar background to them. Some of the guys like Hugo and Harry, for example, they love to game still and play loads. They, they're young we can spend a hell of a lot more time together. Like I just now I'm just being me. Like I'm going to the gym. I'm not hiding anything. And I feel so good in the sense that no one can touch me for being me. Like I've said all of my bad shit out yeah. in the open. Like I, I am no longer um, able to be treated like a victim. And, and like I was commentating with Henry G uh, like him and Richard first started. And then it was me and him. Like I brought him into Gfinity and um, obviously he's like, commentator of the year for last year one of the best commentators in the world an incredibly nice and cool guy he's still a guy on whatsapp who will call me out on shit if i'm if i'm going the wrong way with it or whatever he's someone i can rely on he's he's, um a good friend sponge is incredibly helpful very wise even though we're close in age he's he's 30 and i'm gonna be 30 this year as well like he's very wise and understanding of a world he comes from a different environment i do that he can explain things to me in, in a way that often helps me but like yeah these kind of people before would have not liked who I was. Now I'm being myself and finally I'm, I'm I'm finally more accepted. Like I did an event with Pansy recently for PUBG and even she can see like, oh you're killing it so much better now. And it's just because I'm being me. Like I no longer have to be fake. I no longer have to be someone I'm not. And it's so wild. But with the fighting game stuff, like I've loved fighting games. I competed and won a silver meta medal for Virtual Fighter 5, right? Like that's an achievement when you're not like a, a Japanese player or anything like that playing 
Like, and Asian people are very good at playing fighting games. It's no joke that they're up there right on the top boards across most of the games. I competed, did my did my time, but these guys in the fighting game scene saw me as Mr. Counter-Strike, Mr. Esports. Now, the problem with the fighting games community, and it's not everyone, but they want the money. They want to see the events and stuff, but they want to keep it all grassroots. Well, somehow the grassroots stuff obviously doesn't make all that money. You need to diversify a bit. At the time, Capcom hired me because they wanted to add something to their shows. They'd never had a host before. And they tried it in Europe, but I had a great production team behind me and then Mark Denton and Richard Denton pushing me the whole way with it. Two guys who work for one of the biggest companies now and they, they're in their own company doing all this kind of stuff within the fighting game community. Um, so a big shout out to them. And they basically were like, cool, we'll take a chance on you. We like what you got to offer. So not only did I help them with business development and going in the right direction using my experience from other esports events, Bear in mind, I'm no producer. I'm just using my experience from elsewhere and bringing it to these guys. And um, they said, cool, well, we'll add the host role in. This will help Capcom. They can sell this as like an extra product on it because they've never had a desk. And we had desks. We had fun. And for some reason, they didn't like me because I was esports. They basically thought that they could do my job as a host, even though they, they'd never done it. They didn't even know how yeah. it worked when I literally built it from the ground up. The interviews, even the people in chat, the community were like, oh my God, these interviews, it's great. We're getting players onto a desk. We're having fun. Because remember, it's a 1v1 game. So you've got so much fluctuation in players. You can, it, It's amazing for me who loves to do this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. There's so much freedom with it. And also, they're raw as hell. They come from the same kind of background as me, some of these kids. They're coming from the mm-hmm. hoods and stuff. They, they don't have PCs. They're playing consoles. Now, obviously, not everyone is coming from the Some of them, like Shax, as an example, just um, graduated from university. Incredible player, really smart guy. But you get a lot of this more like, kind of this this inner culture that I'm also very like with and I even ran this is what's wild before I did this before I got hired by Capcom I for Zowie here who I used to work for I did four events with more prize money than any of their events have within the UK like huge money like £1,200 for a 1v1 game of just UK players people were traveling from Spain France to come play in this fucking event and I ran it for four weeks. I even hired the commentators and stuff, right? Paid them money, more money than they were getting elsewhere because I was paying them real esports money, not the fighting game community money. Yeah. And even the people that were shitting on me, they were turning up to that event to compete because they wanted a piece of it. I even got the event to have setups where we'd have the stream, and then we'd have setups people can practice on and setups we can have off-stream games. And we kept the event open until midnight so they could play as much as possible. Like, I did everything. We, and I budgeted it. I produced it. I brought my own team of people in. I was hosting, so I just did the interviews. Everyone else had commentators do their thing. And they still basically said that he's not one of us. He's Mr. Esports. He thinks he's a big shot. And so they stupidly created a WhatsApp group where obviously that can be screenshotted. So someone in their WhatsApp group obviously did like me and wanted to screenshot it and mess with them. And they decided to say that they were going to try sabotage me on broadcast by asking me questions I couldn't answer. But their dumb asses didn't really understand that I know their game as well. And also, I'm not afraid. Like, I just did Dota. I just did a Dota event for a charity event here in Ukraine. Uh-huh. All about, we raised $187,000 for this coronavirus charities. And I will happily go on a broadcast and say, I don't know everything. So I will lean on my analysts. I'll ask them the right questions. Because yeah. you know what? There's people in chat that don't know shit either. So they're learning. It works both ways. <laughs> I've always felt, and correct me if I'm wrong, a good job mm-hmm. of a host or an interviewer isn't necessarily to know the game, but know how to ask the right questions to get to the answers. For, for a host, definitely. For an interviewer, I think you, you should have more knowledge because you need to also pull out 
a bit for the people who don't know. Yeah. So a good interviewer to me, like we have loads of interviews in esports at the moment who just jump game, 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 do so many games, and they're asking all the wrong questions or they make it about themselves, and that shit really pisses me off. Like they try to meme too much, and it's like you're not there to be on camera. For me, I don't even care if I'm doing interviews on camera. Yeah. It should just be a hand on a microphone. But too many of these people want to be on camera and make it all about themselves. Interviews should be purely asking questions that direct the conversation for the desk. You're helping out the desk. You're helping out the analysts. But also giving the players a chance to say what they want to say because the focus is on them. They're the fucking pros. They're the legends, not us. I don't give a damn about me. Like, it's all about them. And so give them a chance to tell knowledge to players of all levels, right? And the desk can do the breaking down. That's why the host part of not knowing stuff is so important on that side. That's just my personal opinion anyway. But obviously, we, we see broadcast. We just get the, how are you doing? Oh, let's have some fun here. And let's do a dance or some stupid shit. Let's make a meme out. It's like, why am I watching this? Like, what are we doing? What? This, yeah. is, this isn't content. Do you see that in racing? Do you see, like, some girl stood there and she's like, ah, oh, guys, let's have some fun. Like, do you think I'm pretty? Like, what the fuck? No one's going to be saying that shit. <laughs> it's got to yeah. be about the game. But yeah, the the, the the morons that were in this fighting game for me. By the way, one of them I had to work shows with afterwards, uh, and we made up. We spoke about it. But there was just a lot of people who were just utter cunts in it. One guy, uh, Logan, he he's kind of matured a bit now. He's also had a rough spot, like he was fired from the BBC for for again comments and stuff he'd done um, or not done, and however it was taken. Um, but he he had a lot of learning to do because i was not going to let this slide i was uh, i definitely wasn't going to let this affect so they basically planned to ask me stuff that was really in depth that i'd never be able to yeah. answer and purposely sabotage me that was their goal and they were all conspiracy like making a conspiracy against me on this and i got the screenshot sent to me and obviously i'm not going to say who's given to me but it was a yeah. very smart guy and i said cool all right i know what to do this richard there you go mate have this let's see what we can make happen here because i'm not going to stand for this and obviously all their names are in it this is how dumb they are it's like if you, lads, you should probably do this over a phone call, you know, where it can't be recorded. Like, they're kind of smart, isn't it? Oh, like, well. So they really fucked themselves. But then Capcom, obviously, the commentators are obviously more valuable than an interview and host. And yeah. obviously then there was some disruption with it. So I did my last few events for Capcom. Then at the end of the year, despite it getting more views than what the American Men's Without Host did in terms of, like, the interviews, them segments, keeping the uptime of the stream less on adverts. So they still did their adverts for their sponsors, but it was less downtime. There was more initiative. Everything was positive. But Capcom, sadly, they don't quite understand what they want to do if they want to make it more for esports and make more money and try and yeah. give more back to the players, or if they just want to appease all the, the fans that don't like esports. But end of the day, they played themselves on that one. I brought something new to the table. And I worked my ass off, as always, into it. I remember building a stage. By the way, I should never be building stages, right? Especially when the event was in four hours. We were building a stage till four in the morning. I had to be back at 8 a.m. while the other commentators were just in bed enjoying themselves. Guess what? Because I was making sure shit was going to work for this. I I took a hands-on approach with everything. I worked my ass off. I was playing their game. And then they thought, so I bought a fight stick because I used to play fighting games. I'm not allowed to buy a fight stick, clearly. And... Okay, yes, I have a bit more money. So I paid $10 to put my name on the fight stick, right? Such a cunt, aren't I? And they were like, doesn't he think he's so cool putting his fight stick on Twitter? And what they didn't like was I had more fans than them on social media. People in chat were talking about me and they weren't talking about them. Yeah. Maybe they should have reinvented themselves. And like there's one guy on there, um, Tyrant, who made him more get on a bit now, but he's just one of those people who is like, a follower like he's never going to be a leader he's always going to be a sheep and he got dragged into this and that really let me down because i thought he was one of the good ones and he allowed himself to be jumped into that because he just wanted to 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 like i don't know 
be buddy buddy pow pow and not be out of the the inclusion of it all and yet he's the first one who would need to lean on me for advice or help in it and he's older than me and he, he he's what's he doing with his life like he's not getting anywhere he could technically be making more money if this stuff had paid off we were going to sell the desk we we're going to sell these segments right to sponsors to add yeah. more money to put to the prize pool to the players to the pay the commentators better money than what they've ever had before and then this is where it got really dumb is that they then turn around like we can do it ourselves. Well, guess what? They've never done it because they can't because they literally don't understand how it works. They they wouldn't be able to do it professionally enough. Like I was giving them call times. Yeah, they'd never have call times. They were just turning up late sometimes. Oh, like it was it was an absolute. That seems very joke. basic. That seems very very basic. And then when and then when I would say to them like you're needed now, you're supposed to be here at this time. They'd go, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I was playing some games. It's like you, you have a job to do. Are you being paid? Like, but yeah, I I, I would happily go back to. FTC stuff because I know the players who do like me and I know the community really likes me. There's loads of them still follow me on Twitter. They jump in streams just to see me do some random games every now and again and say hi. But I know that it's their misunderstanding of it. And the problem is it doesn't even start with like Capcom. There's even tournament organizers. There's a guy called Rick who is such a good tournament organizer, like super smart, does some of the biggest events out in America, works with Bandai and everything. And we did one at a second event, and his biggest issue was like, it's going to take time. It's not going to be done to the level I want it to be done. And yet some of the most basic stuff they do was not done to the level that should be it at. And his problem, again, is he's in this old mentality. He's not looking at the bigger picture. And he's one of the leaders of this shit. So until it changes from there, they're always going to fall flat on their ass because they're not going to get what they want. And this is where I think they're so stupid because he's a very intelligent man. He works so hard. He even works at Twitch, by the way, fully for their fighting games. Yeah. And just because I'm more of an outsider, even though I've won more tournaments, by the way, than any of those commentators, I've, I've competed in Virtual Fighter Five, and I have more respect on my name for playing their type of games than they have. So clearly I am just an outsider because I yeah. come from esports that they don't like. They decided that, no, you're not going to be able to get away with this. And yet, guess what? I could have bought more money, not for myself. I could have bought it for your community. I could have bought you more success. I literally bought and made my own events and series. And just because you think that you don't like to have someone do some interviews. By the way, I wasn't. I even dressed down for them. I didn't wear my normal shirt and suit. I did on the first broadcast. They were all just in T-shirts and things. So I went and actually bought Street Fighter merch. Capcom didn't give me that shit. No one gave me it. I went and bought it so I'd fit in. I'd look the part on yeah. things. I'd, I'd have it in their style. I went an extra level on everything. And this is all I can say. And that's why I was so disappointed with Rick as an example. His name is the Hado on Twitter. Is You are a guy who is a leader, and he is an actual leader. He's also a smart guy, but he's so dumb in some ways with the fact that he was so against interviews being done at this Tekken event. Yet everyone that saw the interviews, every member, the players, the sponsors, the organizers who are paying their players to go to the event, yeah. right? I'm happy because they get more screen time. It's all being done properly. But because it's not the limelight maybe on them or not done in their way or it's too esports, they're so against it. So if you're going to be a dumb fuck, be a dumb fuck. But don't fuck up your own game on that principle. Integrity is everything. And, and sadly, these guys have too much of this personal attachment to it. Yeah. So kind of looking at like nowadays, do you think that it's gotten better or it is getting better? Or do you still see the same shit happening each day? Uh, do you mean in the FTC stuff or just in general? In general with the community where it's still a bunch of people who are uh, getting hammered down and still a bunch of people who aren't being uh, willing to be open to new ideas, new experiences, new people. Maybe holding people down because they're younger or more experienced or less experienced, um, even though they might have good ideas. 
Yeah, I, I still think some of that goes down. The beautiful thing you have is that you can be an unknown, small-time, no-namer. For example, Dinko a few years ago, no one knew of, and you get one opportunity to do some big online casts, whatever, by even just doing it on your own channel on a free GoTV IP. If you're good enough, you can still be seen because the community itself are good at doing that. For an example of Frankie, right? She rose quicker than any interviewer oh, yeah. host I've seen in, in, in history, right? Now, she has a lot of natural talent and... And, and, and raw ability on camera and on screen, but she herself knows that her in-game um, knowledge isn't there. So she's even playing and streaming CSGO to try and get the job done. That's fantastic. The only criticism I have of her is that sometimes she's maybe putting the focus a little bit too much on her, which is obviously something I don't like. Um, and then the, the only other bit is that when she's actually getting people give her, like, I'm afraid to, to reply to her on Twitter sometimes and give her advice about CS because I've seen how she responds to some of the people. Now, admittedly, people come in my chat and give me advice, and some of them are just really dumb, right? I get it. It's, it's probably very annoying. But, like, some advice is very legit, and she'll always shut them down or, like, talk to them. Like, be a little bit nicer. Like, just a little bit for me, please. Like, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Like, I saw a comment the other day on one of our videos. And it was about the, the height she was aiming at. And he was 100% right. It's completely correct. And um, she was just like, nope, I'm not going to take advice. Not having backseat gamers. And I'm just like... You've got to know when sometimes it is fine and when sometimes it's not. Yeah. But like I've told her to her face many times, she's risen faster than anyone else I've seen in esports. And I think once she can, well, she's playing more. Yeah, she even ranked up recently to another another. Maybe she's gold now. She's gone out of silver to gold potentially. But she's grinding. She's trying. She's playing. And and that I respect the hustle hundred percent. But just a, like for me, I'm I'm critical on anyone when it comes to our game because. I feel like anyone can jump in. And, and I also don't think yeah. being a male or female has any negativity in this anymore either. Like that whole story that it's harder for, for females in esports to get involved definitely was a thing of old, but I don't think so much now. Yes, you have to have a probably a stronger backbone than a lot of us guys because you get all these people sat in chat saying, oh, you're, you're, you're so fit. Oh, I want to have sex with you. Ha, ha, ha. It's like, oh, boys. But you got to remember, our audience is very young. They do some dumb shit, and they they can't be held accountable for it at the moment. So you got you got to have a you got to have a strong personality to be able to handle it at the same time. Okay, okay. But yeah, I think I think I think it's it's very much possible. It's just everyone is like in a position at the moment where we're getting less people hold the throne, as an example. Like Red yeah. Eye was the one blocking people from before, right, and stopping them coming in. He also let a lot of people do come in, but based on how he feels or what he wants. Um, ESL is the perfect example of giving so many people great opportunities. Yeah. Blast as well gave Scrawny and Launders opportunities to do grand finals over Anders and Moses. Finally, we're fucking splitting this up. Anders and Moses don't care either. They're happy to see more people get opportunities. Yeah. But I didn't work a single Blast event in my life at all last year since I came around. And then I got to do the Blast London event. And like London, hometown, everything like that was brilliant. Had a fantastic time. Hopefully they'll hire me for more. But like there is plenty of opportunities out there. The problem is, it's just a lot of people are like, oh, I love CSGO, I want to go for that. Sometimes you've got to actually look at yourself and think, like for me, I only do games despite the amount of games I do that I'm passionate about. Sometimes people have to look at it and think, okay, that's a very stacked pool. Because I can tell you now, if you're an up-and-coming commentator in CSGO, unless you are lights out amazing beyond anything we've ever heard before, there's about 15 other people that I can mention name here right now that have got the skills to be doing events at the top level. Yeah. And look how long it's taken me to get to tier one level of doing these big events, right? And I fucking hate that term because that's just be used for the teams, not for us as talent. Um, yeah. 
it's taken me so long to get through because Stunner went to do the host role. Alex came off from being... So Alex Machine, in my eyes, is the best host in all of esports. He's gone to do commentary now with Henry. Stunner moved into the host role. Now I get some of the interview roles split with Frankie. And admittedly, it's like one of those things where you're just kind of a waiting game, a knock-on effect, right? Because yeah. I've been here in CS since the very beginning. Like I said, I made a lot of mistakes uh, at the beginning and, and I definitely didn't deserve the shit that Red Eye put me through. And then I kind of obviously went through my own stuff that I had to deal with. But... I stayed here and I waited for my time. Like some moron came in my Twitch chat yesterday because I banned him from some Twitch channel that we were, we were working on. And um, he was like, you only get the scraps. It's like, bro, I worked a major. I'm also pretty much getting hired for a lot of events these days. And, and people are kind of in this mode where they're like, they only want a select number of talent. You see any talent announcement with like, me on or Frankie on or Hugo on, Harry on, Scrawny Launders, there'll be people criticizing. It's not even because they're bad because these people don't actually know what to judge the actual talent on. It is because they're not what people are used to. That's yeah. all it is. No, I, so I've like, had this conversation with like Anders and Frankie and like mm -hmm. it's actually a fear of a lot of top casters too about like turning away jobs because if they turn away jobs oh, and what it. happens is they, they turn, they, they look to find new people and then those people start to get popular and now they're, you just have less jobs because there's more uh, supply of like tiered talent and there's less demand as far as the need then yeah you kind of do lose out in jobs so it's like a, a terrifying fear of like if you turn down a job will they find someone else that they will just start using from now on exactly there's definitely that fear with it as well but i think that's where you have to be diverse and, and yeah. knowledgeable with it because i think that there's another thing right there was a point where we had a contract put in front of us I forget whichever tournament organizer it was but it said something like diversity would be um the same weighted in the hiring process as skill and ability. Now that is bullshit. Like that straight away should never be a thing. Every time it comes to someone being picked for a role, it should be the best talent, not social media numbers, not like how popular or how loved they are. If they are the best at their job, like you're not going to go to a doctor and say, I don't want that doctor because he's black. I don't want that doctor because she's a woman. Yeah. I want, if I'm dying or I got something wrong with me, I need an operation. I want the best, please. Like, can, if I can have the best, I'll take the best. And to me, that's how it should be. But what I do think is the perfect thing of B streams and online events and all this other stuff we have, the people at the top don't need to touch it. Yeah. Give that to the people that are coming up. Like things like you're doing, like this content that here, this is valuable content to get your name out there. I wouldn't have a fucking clue who you are if you didn't do Anders and, and have that amazing show. Yeah. Like it's 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 very hard to get noticed, yes. But once you do get noticed, it's out there, it's it's possible. And Yes, you might need to know a right few people to push people going forward. It, it it needs to be like the community supporting you is a huge thing, yeah. but also um, you need to be realistic of what game you're choosing to go for. Like if yeah. you were to tell me right now you want to go and interview for Call of Duty, I can again name a bunch of comments, a bunch of interviewers that can already be doing it, who've got yeah. tons of time in the game and huge following and and, and within that community. But like Rainbow Six, for example, I don't know why more people are not jumping on that game. For me, I really like the game. I like I, playing I, the game. It, it's a fun. I actually just had Intero. I did an episode with him oh, three awesome. weeks ago. I like it. Me and him have got yeah. Me and him have got some good stories. I like we had some fun together. Intero's a good dude, and that was one of the things that uh, yeah. So I've always had an interesting perspective on this. Is that. Mm -hmm. At least for me starting out, I'm pretty much willing to take any job because I know that I'm going to have fun doing almost any game starting out because it's going to be all these new skills that I'm going to be learning. 
Right, yeah. so I feel like no matter what the game is, I will probably enjoy it. So I don't really have, like, this idea of being, like, really picky has never really made a lot of sense to me. Because it's like, well, no matter which game, like, if I was doing Farmville and doing interview stuff with, like, Farm, I feel like I would enjoy it for a while. Because I'd be learning new skills, I'd be learning how to deal with broadcast. And then after I get those skills, I can look at, like, okay, well, maybe I'll be slightly more selective and try to find other games that I am, like, maybe more passionate about. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's probably the better approach um to take yeah, then I, then let's pick csgo and try to yeah, make it and i think you can be super passionate about a game i still believe you should be passionate about the game that you do end up working on in any capacity yeah. because i don't think you do a good enough job if you're not passionate we've seen it many times an interviewer gets picked and they're from a different game they're like oh i can go do this and it's like well we can tell you don't really enjoy this natural excitement cannot be faked and then when you do fake it you get called out on it it gets seen it's very obvious so i always live by the rule you must have a love or genuine passion for the game. You must want to follow it in some way. But I think in some ways that like, even when you're just starting out, it doesn't have to be the most popular game. Like yeah. it can be a niche game. You might jump on Apex Legends because it's brand new and just come out as an example, right? Yeah. But if you really love that game and you'll start making content on the side for yourself, you'll you'll make some interviews with players or you'll you'll reach out and create some stuff and, and that's generally a, a good way to be seen you go oh but no one's paying me for it well if that's what you think then you're going to be waiting a long fucking yeah. time yeah yeah i agree so is there any other systematic issues in esports that you kind of see i know that i had monty on recently and one of the he thing one of the things he actually mentioned was hiring um, he feels like, especially on like the higher tier, upper level management type of hiring is what he was mostly talking about. Like um, positions about like running esports uh, franchises uh, specifically, I think is what he kind of mentioned. Is it doesn't feel like they hire people from the scene; they hire outside more so. Um, do you think that there's any systematic uh, issues within the esports scene itself that we need to be focusing on? I, I agree with him that you shouldn't hire people outside of it. Like we have enough people. We don't need TV people. We don't need like, I'm not saying TV people can't come in. They might yeah. be someone who's really passionate about it. Sure. Great. But I mean, there's enough talent here already that you don't just need to go and pick a random person. Who's just like, they were famous for being on this NBA show one time. So let's put them on, I don't know, League of legends. No, let's, let's not. It doesn't work like that. Like come from within. That's what esports. If, if, if even just games, right. In, in players and successful esports games, were not made by the developer other than League of Legends, and that took a long time to get where it is now. Yeah. Every game that you look at the top esports came from being a game that became an esport by chance because the community wanted it to, right? Community-driven is the esports way, and that's what resonates with the viewers. That's what they enjoy. That's what they like seeing, and that should be the way it stays the whole time. In terms of hiring processes and things, I think generally now, like, yeah, okay, there could be slightly better hiring processes. Yes, some people won't hire you because you're maybe, like, directly employed by face it with we give Bardo, for example it's very yeah. unlikely that certain tournament organizers are going to hire him yeah i get that but that's that's he's getting a full-time job somewhere right there um but i, I think the the craziest one is that like for me Bardolf was the person hiring people and also talent that shit should never happen that shit yeah. needs to stop right now that's the dumbest shit i ever heard and that's nothing against Bardolf. that it's just his position what he's been given right by face it but like that's moronic why would you give a talent the, the the ability to hire the other talent that should doesn't never that happen be a for thing. League of Legends too though isn't that true with uh doesn't a uh, quick shot do most of the I have no idea okay, I, 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 like, thought, I thought I, he I, played, I, played a role in the game but I don't okay. actually like know the inner world okay. I only know Shox and Medic as, as personal friends yeah. on, on talent yeah yeah I wasn't yeah, sure I I, I thought I thought he played happen. a role in it 
So. That shit should not happen at all because then again you get the buddy system, the friend system. Like when yeah. Red Eye was the, the hiring talent at ESL and then also hosting pretty much all of their events, that was just wild. That should have never been a thing. The great thing now is Joe Miller was a talent, is no longer a talent, is now the hiring person at ESL, and that's the smartest shit ever because Red Eye was just again picking friends and doing the shit like that would benefit himself and, and get him into the position he is today without maybe necessarily deserving it, just considering he deserves it because he's the quote-unquote yeah. godfather of esports, which he definitely isn't. So, uh, believe it or not, that's most of my questions for you. We've been here a long time. I had a lot of fun. This is one of my favorite <laughs> interviews so far. I don't know if you've had fun, but you're already through most of it, so it doesn't fucking matter if you had fun or not. <laughs> it's too no, bad, motherfucker. Um, so, right? Um, so, uh, if there's anything else you want to talk about, that's cool. Otherwise, we'll open it up to chat. We'll get a couple chat questions in here. Um, and let them actually ask some things, and then we'll close out the show. So, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to bring up that you thought was something that I, I might have missed or that you wanted to cover that has never been covered before? I guess the only bits about my son I've never spoken about openly, if you want to cover that stuff. Yeah, no, I do. Let's let's talk about your son. Yeah, 100%. What do you, like, what was it like when your son was first born? Because I imagine that's got to be the most special moment that you have in your life. Well, so, yeah, I wish it was. Um, he came eight weeks early and oh, was put Vegas and nearly died. Um, luckily, the amazing um, bus spot unit um, in Royal Berkshire Hospital, well, there you go, you can see the moats being found in the chat. That's always a good thing to see. Um, but, like, I, Whitaker, who's in chat right now, he um, he said he was watching my stream doing World of Warcraft. I left the stream on, sent me back in, like, maybe an hour or so, and then I never came back because my son was being born and it was eight Jesus. weeks early. So I just basically expected it was all to be fine. They went on incubator. He was tiny, like no bigger than my hand. Um, and there was honestly a huge chance he could die, but he was saved. He, we made it through. It was really good. And he was the reason I stopped taking my antidepressant medication. Basically the day he was born, his mom also needed a lot of help. She was struggling. Um, he just come to the world. I just literally had to obviously take time off work. Um, and I turned around and, and just said, all right, I need to be my complete self. I cannot be relying on any fucking meds or stuff that like slow me down or change my mood at all. I need to be full sharp. And I just went and every morning I'd hit the gym. Um, I was, I, so we were really lucky. We had a room because of obviously his situation. We had a dedicated room that was like not just on a wall. It was locked away. And um, it basically got in the room, her bed, a little bit I could sleep on. It wasn't really a, it was like almost a sofa bed style thing. And then we'd be able to see him every few hours or whatever and go up and, and try and do things with him. But obviously it was very different than like a, a normal kid in that sense. But I decided I would go to the gym every morning, wake up early before she'd be awake, uh, stop taking my medicine, um, come back, bring the supplies she needed, what we needed to get for him, keep her well and uh, fully focus on him. So yeah, that that is supposed to be a memorable experience. It definitely was in many ways, but... Yeah, it, it, it just went absolutely crazy. Just crazy. Yeah, so at just... first it must have been incredibly terrifying then. Yeah, And you had this yeah. terrifying terror. But at the point where, like, I, I'm sure, do you remember the day where they said, okay, everything's going to be fine now? Do you remember yeah, that like, day? Um, it was basically they moved him from the red ward, which is like the kind of emergency ward where yeah. very limited contact and touch. And it's when you, we could actually take him and hold him a bit more and stuff and have him on us. Um, and... Obviously, it was a big relief, but he still wasn't out of the clear yet. So he just went to the second room. Then he went to the third room. Then he was fully into the room of, like, normal babies, still in, a, like, a, an incubator sorted thing, just mm -hmm. to stop him kind of making sure they got tubes in him in case it was needed. But then we started to feed him properly, like, by bottle and stuff. And, 
yeah, that was like, ah, okay, we're getting onto some normality. But it was just, it was so wild because, like, you think for your first kid, everything's going to be fine. You, you can never just expect something like that happening. And I, I just remember, like, thinking, shit, this like my my first time and, and it, we're going through all this. And I just knew I had to be better than where I was with my antidepressants and everything else. And I just knew something had to change. Is that is he your number one priority in your life? Because I can't think of anything else. It's like your son basically always the the number one priority. Yeah, I couldn't give a fuck. I even said I'd I'd, I'd drop my career tomorrow and and just leave yeah. the sports completely if it was for him. Like there's there was no other way. And to his mum, who obviously massively fucked me over and everything, I even offered that to her at one point that like if you want me to go, just take a normal nine to five job. You need me home, whatever. And that's an option. We'll we'll, we'll do it because like he he is everything to me. He's he's literally identical to me like in everything. He sadly didn't take anything from his mum. Um, he just just looks like a mini me. Well, and, it's it's uh, a good thing yeah. that you're a you're a pretty good looking dude, James. Because otherwise, <laughs> I mean, he'd be fucked. So <laughs> he's I definitely mean, cute. That's for sure. Count your blessings there. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but what's it been like? Because you obviously are not with the uh, your, your son's mother anymore, and yeah. you've been split up for all. What's it like kind of uh, raising your son in this uh, this kind of relationship? Oh, fucking hard. Like, um, about... So I've been with my current girlfriend since May last year, so nearly a year now. Uh, she's Ukrainian. I met her here when I was doing nine months of PUBG work um here in ukraine for star ladder and um i was living here because i had nine months of work and i was just going back and forth to the uk when i could see my son um before that point obviously we'd had nearly two years separated uh, with his mum, and she obviously left her in the whole berlin thing when all that shit went down with unicorn yeah and just, just the way she did it she basically just took my son and didn't tell me anything like i came home from an event and they weren't there so the cop i remember coming to the house it was cold, so the heating was off. There was no lights or anything. And I thought, like, oh, maybe they're surprising me or something. And then there was just nothing. And I'm just like, what, what the fuck? Like, I remember seeing his cot. And I remember sleeping in that house. And it was just like, I used to just cry myself to sleep. Because, like, I was alone in Germany. Like, actually had no family around me. I even flew my dad out at one point. Just so I had someone there. Um, yeah. Obviously, with him being older, he was retired. And... I just I, I used to sometimes sleep in his cot, which obviously I did not fit into. I'm fucking six foot four. Like I just used to sl sleep in there because it's, it's just to, to have every day to be like with your son and and like to 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 spend that time and just to be able to hold him and play with him and just feel him. And I'm tearing up because it's just so hard to think about. I can talk about it. I'm not a fucking pussy, but like you know, tearing up's okay. That's okay. No one's going to call you a pussy I, for cheering I, 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 I come from a family where it was very beaten into me that the man needs to be strong and not cry. Even though I don't agree with that, I would never tell my son that now. But that's a, that's a whole whole other thing. But, like, he was he was just – I had my boy. I, he was, like, my little mini-me. We did everything together. And, like, I, I've, I've – I just – that emptiness was next level. And at the time, obviously, I still would try to save things with his mom, and, and it just wasn't possible. Um and basically, like, she dropped him off, left him with me for a couple of weeks and buggered off, literally, because I thought, well, maybe she's going to try to come fix things. And she came back to Berlin. She so she came, dropped the kid off and disappeared in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, at least I got him. Like, that was positive. I was like I said, I had no money, so I was not eating and, and I was trying to keep myself I have myself a question going. 
for you. You mentioned yeah. that you came home and the, the household was empty. Like, did you know that she had left and taken him with him? Did like, was there any no. confirmation? Did because like, I would, I'd be very freaked out without like any like any sort of notice. Like at least if you're told, hey, listen, uh, we're through. I'm moving back to this. Like at least we know. But if you don't know, then yeah. doesn't your mind jump to the worst? Like doesn't it jump to like, uh, well, did something happen? Did they get did they get taken? Like did you did you go to the cops? Like because I, if you didn't know, then. So I, I phoned her, she didn't pick up. I phoned and phoned and phoned, and I was like, okay. Phoned her mum, mum didn't pick up. Phoned her dad, didn't pick up. Phoned her sister, finally got through, and she was like, oh, yeah, Gemma's back in the UK. And I'm like, okay. You're saying this is so normal. So obviously I think her sister slipped up and it should have been kept a secret or whatever. And I was like, is Harvey with her? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, great. Well, I seem to be the only one without the fucking information here. Um, and then luckily, like I said, my mum and my stepdad and my, my dad are absolutely amazing. So like I was able to talk through it with them, but it was the nights, it was the nights of like, yeah. again, just had to smoke a shit ton of weed. Cause like, I remember, I remember, I remember the first night was like, not so bad. Cause I was jet lagged as fuck. I'm like, I could, I could just, you had to sleep, right? Your body's just dying at that point. But I remember the next night I maybe slept like 30 minutes because it was so empty. There was no one next to me in the bed. My son was not there. I can't hear his breathing on the fucking, you know, the little breathing monitor things, the voice things. Um, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, how is this my life now? Like, everything else was going so well. And then, um, like, obviously, ignoring the unicorn thing, but in terms of, like, family and what I wanted. Yeah. And um, so I just I messaged some guy, and I was like, just fucking bring me copious amounts of weed like just bring me so much and I, and that was the only way i could like get out of again my own head but also get to sleep because it was just like smoke until you pass out because this this is the only logical explanation for for being able to deal with this but sleeping in the cots was like the worst one i remember one time sleeping in the bath um didn't try to wasn't trying to like kill myself anymore. i just slept in the bath because i was just had thoughts of like playing in the bath and we used to bath together and you know do that like father-son stuff but it was just so empty and it was so dead and it was just incredible. And then luckily again, the stream, fucking hell, like Louie and stuff and, and Whittaker, everyone was there to talk with me through it. And I honestly, like streaming is so important to me because like, I can be myself and talk to people, but you actually have, okay, there's some cunts to come in, but just ban them and tell them to fuck off. But like people are <laughs> yeah. so nice and, and supportive and like, um, and, and really there comes to hash things out with you. Uh, has it gotten better since then? Or is it still... Uh... Oh, wait. So, like, <laughs> um, and towards the end of last year, obviously, I told his mum that I'm in another relationship, uh, just being open and honest. And um, we've been separated for nearly two years. She's even had other boyfriends. She flew off the handles and a way for her to get control over me. Because the thing she was lucky with is that I still paid a sizable amount of money to him because I'm going to support my son. I still pay for their apartment and stuff. Um, and even when she had other relationships, like obviously, it's, I don't think the guys are living with her. It's not my business to know. But... Yeah. Um, I think she still felt maybe she could have what she wanted from me because obviously I'd be there whenever I come home. I'd come pick my son up. I'd come play with him. I'd come by the house. Like I didn't. I was fine with us being apart, and I wasn't like in a relationship with her. But we were still being amicable. And I was like, well, this is just like how it was when I and my parents yeah. split up. So this is great. And then when I got in a relationship, she um, tried to commit suicide, and she did it when my son was. Um, with me so when i came back to the house obviously i paid for the apartment so i had keys went into the house and she's just lifeless on the bed but like harvey went into the bedroom climbed on top of oh. her and like i'm just like putting his stuff like in the kitchen and things like putting stuff back away and he comes over to me and he's like yeah and i'm like what and 
he just was like obviously no idea and he's like trying to, I'm like whoa so like, I go and grab my stepdad who's waiting in the car for me I get him because he knows like um like CPR and all yeah. that kind of shit and he's trained for his work so he's trying to get alive we're ringing the ambulance we're trying to keep Harvey busy in the other room but he obviously wants to see his mum and then this is where the British government again just a bunch of fucking useless moronic cunts because they um, I told him I was like well I've got work tomorrow in Ukraine but obviously I can drop all of that and just um, stay here and whatever and they were like well actually the best thing for him is just to be with a parent non-stop and I was like yeah okay that's fine we can do that they're like but you are free. You're like so on the birth certificate. We're both equal rights. Like he's got my surname. They're like you can just take him with you. So like my girlfriend of like a, just a few months, and I'm I'm sat there selling. I'm like um, so I'm bringing my son back to Ukraine. Starlighter, by the way, were absolutely amazing. They offered support. That gave us uh, like the people that look after us, the talent managers who would look after him while commentating things. Like it was incredible. Oh, and for him, he's been on planes. So he loves going on planes. He's got a trip with daddy. It's like we got great pictures and moments from that. So I said to my girlfriend at the moment. Um, and I just said to her, like, look, we've only been together a little while. She's also 24 and I'm 29, so she's a fair bit younger. I said, like, you didn't sign up for this shit. Like, i got to take my son to Ukraine so I can steal their money. Because remember, I'm self-employed, so if I don't earn money, I'm fucked. I've still got to pay all my bills. Yeah. Um, so the government said it's fine, took him over. Um, and I just remember saying to her, like, if you want to leave now, completely get it. We had some fun. Like, I think you're an amazing woman. But like you don't have to do this and she just turned around and was like well we'll have to just see what happens like i have to try and I, I've, I've got pictures of um where's my phone i got pictures of like when they were first uh when he, they first came to U- ukraine and literally they were just hit it off straight away like they were playing on the floor with like her big teddy bear thing and and he was all laughing and playing with her and then I literally had to go to work and I was just planning to take her. I don't know if you can see that, if that works or not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just, this is literally day one that they've even met each other. And then literally, there you go, that's that's the morning after, like they're in the kitchen, just like cooking and uh, making put stuff. Put it to the middle a little um, bit more. Oh. Uh, there you go. There you there go. go. There you go. You're good. Yeah, yeah, so like, they're like completely hit it off. And my plan was him to come to work with me. And I was like, there's no, I'm just going to leave him with her. And she was like, no, no, I can do it. I can handle it. And so I went to work for four hours just doing PUBG, came back. And he was when I came back, he was obviously really happy to see me. But he was just sat watching TV with her. They were eating grapes and sat on the sofa. And uh, he had the whole bowl on his lap and just chewing on grapes. And she she and him were watching TV. And I was like, fucking hell, like, she's something special. And, um, and, and from there on, we had him for about three months. I put him in um, a really good nursery here. It's costing like $1,500 a month because it's not free in Ukraine compared to UK. But obviously it needs to be one that spoke English. Um, they taught him cooking, Russian, English. His Russian's better than mine. I speak fuck all of it because I'm super lazy. Yeah. Maybe in quarantine I should start doing that. Um, but like he was so happy. And then this is, so the government even had a report on his mum where she said that if if she tried to commit suicide again, she would try and take Harvey with her. And even that was not enough for my dumbass government to say, he can stay with me and i was forced after three months to give him back to her so now i'm going through court and fighting all of this shit at the moment she still has him i hardly get to see him i've seen him basically i don't get him for more than a day um i don't often like one time i basically message 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 her i was doing blast london blast were amazing they even flew me back a few days early so i could see my son and let me stay in the uk on my flights before going back to ukraine so i could see him and on one of the days, 
she ignored three days worth of messages and then decided to message me and say, if you can pick him up in like 30 minutes, you can have him. If not, he's going to my mum's. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I like jumped in a taxi, spent stupid amounts of money, go pick him up, get him for the day. Like I literally would do anything for him. And like all I've asked from her is just, can we work together? But she won't do it. So we started court proceedings. Everything was going well, but now court is on hold because obviously I've lost about two months of worth of events. And events um, obviously pay a day rate, pay good money in esports. And now I don't know when the next events will be, how long Corona will go on. So I have to hold on to my savings. So the court's not like lost the case, but it means everything's on hold, which means she has all the power again. She yeah. did though, was amazing the other day. We had like a 30 minute FaceTime with him. Um, and that was unexpected. I just hope I can get more from it. But like, I will literally do anything for him. I've, I've given her an amazing life that like she, she, Obviously, when he was a kid, she wasn't working, of course. But, like, I was paying their rent even when I didn't have to. I just had to give them money every month. I was paying my money. I was making sure they had a good life and everything was, yeah. it was looked after while I was doing my shit. Every time I ever on my back in the UK, I take him. I want to have him here in Ukraine when he's on, like, half term and stuff. And, and uh, the plan is that me and my girlfriend move to UK eventually anyway. Um, but it's just so fucked at the moment because even if I move back now, there's no guarantee of when I can see him, when I can have him. Yeah. I've not, I've not even well, everything in the break. UK is shut down too right now, so. Yes, yeah, Corona doesn't matter anyway on that sense. But I mean, just from before until after, oh. it's like um, I've never even had him for a night since the, since he's left me in Ukraine. And like at one time, Jesus. it was all three of us in one bed and just a like, little mini family and having fun. And then you just go through all this shit. It's just it's so fucked. It's so against men. It's not just the UK. I've spoken to many other dads. Uh, it's all the same kind of situation. It's just like oh, it should be with the mum or whatever. It's like, if you can literally try to commit suicide and do all that shit, and then say you're even going to potentially kill your son and you're allowed to do that, it's like, how is this my life? Like, how is this even? And it, it's just, and this is why people say my life's like a movie. And it's like, I literally, I can be a horrible cunt to the people that deserve it. But it's like, it's my family or it's my friends. Or if it's just someone random in stream that I can be nice to or something, or I can inspire someone or help them out. I'm gonna call people out on their bullshit, but I'm gonna try and give much back as possible. It's like, yeah. when will my fucking bad luck stuck? Like, when 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 am I gonna be out of this shit? And obviously, it's been down to my wrong choices, choosing the wrong woman, for example, and things. But like, you never know how that shit's gonna go anyway. And it's just one day I hope this shit will stop. One day I hope like I'll have a point where I can be part of his life. But I have all the screenshots, all the proof, all the emails, all the text messages. Yeah. But when he is of age, when he can see it, I can be like, mate, I tried everything to be a part of your life at that point. I, I tried beyond belief. And obviously, hopefully, he'll be able to see that. But our bond is still very strong. And he, he's a very happy little boy. And um, he's really good on computer for a three-year-old. Like, he's very good at the speed skills. And I always said I'm never going to push him into esports, but, like, he definitely takes after me um, with that sense. Like, he used to just sit up on my lap. And like he'd use the mouse and I'd do the keyboard and stuff on games and things. And it's just like one day I'm really hoping maybe by the end of this year, once all Corona's dealt with life can be somewhat normal again. And like, I just like, I would give up anything just to see him and just to have him. And, and my goal isn't, my goal is not even to like fight him in court. So his mom never has him. Yeah. You can have him. You can literally like, you can even have him full time if you want. I'm going to fight for full time custody because I think me and my current girlfriend will make a better home, stable family, stable life than what she can. But I'd never count her out of his life. And that's good. I, yeah. I just I, I think both kids need all their parents. And I guess maybe I was naive to think that like I'm going to have the same style with his mom as I did with my parents. But it's just like, oh, it's just it's I, so, if, if you're a so good, good parent. 
Uh, this is what I can say is because I lived with my mom and my mom wasn't a very good parent. And I later on moved in with my dad when I was 16. Um, so I switched custody. And the second time was just as bad of a custody battle for me as the sixth when I was six. Like I remember both pretty, pretty, pretty badly because she fought for both. Yeah. Um, but my dad well, being a choice at 16, by the way, because in the UK, you can make the choice at 16. Like my friend, kind of. His daughter came to it's, live with him it's, by highly, it's highly valued. But if you have money, you can still fight it. It was it was wow. like it was like it has to go to court because it's legal, but it doesn't mean that she would win. So she could keep throwing money at it. And she had a lot of money um, to throw at it. So she did. Um, but like ultimately, I, I was to the point at that age where I literally said, I will literally put sugar in your gas tanks and I will hitchhike away from you. Like that is that was like the extreme that I was at. I was like, you can do this, but I'm letting you know that the more you keep fighting this, you will just be damaging our relationship because I made up my mind. Um, and that's what happened. I don't talk to her very often now um, because of that. And that's something that as long as you're a good dad, okay, it doesn't the timing. I don't think it matters as much as people think. And there's going to come a point where he's going to be like, listen, um, if you're a good dad and you're around, he's like, I want to live with you. And then you can be like, okay we can do this uh and these are the things that are going to happen but you have to know that it's that there's a chance it might not be easy or if he's 16 and yeah. the uk doesn't care then you're good but yeah. th like that yeah. i was really happy my dad didn't try to force that because i think that narrative would have looked very differently if i would have been like eight or nine no, and he would have fought up to his choice i think i'd always uh, leave it up to his choice on where yeah. he wants to be it's just like on a legal standard what's better for his safety right now it's definitely to yeah. be with me exactly yeah, I, I would say if you're um, if there's a safety thing, you should fight. Like if you're worried yeah. about that, then I think that's a very reasonable thing to fight that with. But so that's streamers and the, yeah. the YouTube money keeps coming in. <laughs> right? Yeah, guys, uh, keep giving the money to uh, to James. So, oh, but I wish you the best in that. And you know, if you ever you want to talk about that stuff, I'm always willing to. Because just from my experience, I know we've talked before. Um, mm. So with that, now we're gonna open it up to chat with some questions. We had a couple of questions come in that I've kind of saved. Uh, which are always exciting. So the first one comes in. Uh, the first one comes in from Joe. And let me just move this better spot. Um, this is a question for later. Um, oh yeah, 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 no worries. Um, but uh, 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 Joe asked. Uh, this is a question for later. But does Banks know what happened to the German CS player Trouble? Trouble? No idea. No idea at all. Let me liquipedia and see what I can get out of that. <laughs> Joke, Let you should have used Google. <laughs> oh. mm. Fucking hell, yeah. It's been a blast from the past. Jesus Christ. He must Joe, have just uh... retired. It's, it's one of them. It's, so he's one of them ones, right? That he like he he, he had a lot of success, especially being an in-game leader in Germany. But I guess when you've got Gobby and people like that around you, and Crystal, it's very hard to break through. So maybe he just gave up in the end. I don't know. Maybe one I look forward to do an interview with at some point. That would be a cool one because he's, he's got a bit of history, especially on that Penta roster. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you that I just thought of now, um, as Chad yeah. is cycling in questions, is I've heard that um, older esports and the CS scene in particular, Coke was kind of a big deal. Uh, is that something you ever struggled with in the scene or saw as being an issue? Because 
like I said, I'm not really in those cliques. Like I yeah. don't hang out in those scenarios. I've never even been offered or, or or hadn't attempted it. And like I don't think many of them even knew about my addiction, other than the ones I've spoken spoken to like closely about it. So I, I've been really lucky in that sense because obviously that could have been in a bad way. Especially yeah. they got me during the times of like trying to fit in. So I'm very lucky that like drug use in general, because when I'm now with uh, these events at the CS events. I'm either with the young guys or I'm in the gym or I'm doing my work. So like I'm not in the social circles of it all. I hang out and we still go to restaurants. Like went to an awesome Korean barbecue place during the, uh, the major, but like if you want drinks and stuff afterwards, I generally just go gym. So. Okay. Yeah, that I'm, makes I'm sense. Okay. So this next come, this next question comes in from Bareth Lazarus 69. What is your opinion on the Finnish CS player currently suing valve due to an old account of his being VAC banned? Um, he wasn't the person who owned the account at the time. But like, I, I I credit him for wanting to try and fight Valve on this, but you're going up against an American company as a Finnish young kid trying to prove something from God knows how many years ago on an old account. It's like, fuck me, you 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 got some balls on you, mate. Definitely, like you're you're really trying, but I can't see this ending well at all for him. Like I understand it's massively affected his career. Maybe he gets some little settlement if Valve really can't be bothered with it. Like they just go, okay, you can be unbanned or okay, you have some money because, like, we've stopped you getting hired for teams or whatever. So obviously yeah. not being in the majors is, is a big turnoff for teams. I, I, I just think, like, first of all, he was account sharing. First of all, Valve own everything because it's theirs. Remember, we just hold the right to the, the games we buy or whatever, yeah. and then we don't own the games, do we? So, like, maybe he got some really solid legal advice. Maybe there's something he can do, but... I'm pretty sure I'd have to fight on American law and probably not going to go well for him because they always favor companies and corporate. Oh, yeah. That's something I've thought about with Twitch, too, right? Where everyone's like, I, like, you could try to sue companies like Twitch or YouTube, but good fucking oh, luck. You're going up against Google and Amazon, and that is not someone I would want to ever fuck they, with. They must have literally, like, the best, smartest lawyers. Like, these dudes who are just, like, lawyers by the time they're 12 years old, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's got to be so wild because... I know Symbol was banned, but I never remember what he was banned for. Um, I think he just got an ESL ban, maybe rather than a VAC ban. But like, if Valve are holding this position, think of this: the IY Power people, even though some of them weren't. He, he actually just brought that up. Uh, that was the second point he oh, wanted to bring up. Uh, follow up: Do you think the I Power I I Power guys should be forgiven? Has enough time passed? Definitely, I think like no ban should be lifetime, especially when we're dealing with kids. On that sense, like yes, they did wrong. Yes, they did match fixing. But I can I can tell you now. Back in those days, loads of people were match fixing. Loads yeah. of people were just they were the unlucky motherfuckers that got caught and didn't do it smart, right? But also some of the players on that team weren't even directly involved. They were like just part of the team and you all got fucked because of it. So yes, they should be unbanned. Like by now, it's been long enough for sure. Um, but like it goes a lot deeper than this. Like look at look at things like before, I used to bet on matches, right? Just with yeah. skins, not with money. But then Valve sent the letter out and I was like, cool, not doing that shit anymore. So people make dumb decisions. I'm pretty sure there's probably low-tier contests that still do it. Anyone that's involved in the game should not be in any way betting on the games. Okay. Oh, this is a good question, and one I've talked about, and I don't actually think it's as big of an issue as people normally say. Um, mm -hmm. Bang Bang asks, are performance-enhancing drugs being policed enough within esports? No, definitely not. Fucking hell. Like, you can look at some players at the moment across multiple games who are on steroids and stuff. Now, that's not going to be performance enhancing, but like, that shit just should not be promoted in our industry. Like, 
Yeah. My God, I, like I, I, stuff like that. I don't know if any drug has been shown to be really performance enhancing for esports specifically. Everyone goes to Adderall, but Adderall? there's kind of yeah. yeah. But the big problem with Adderall is it hyper focuses you a lot of times, and that's not good for a lot of games because uh, you actually yeah. uh, uh, maybe for CS. But the the thing is, is that normally you have to pay attention to other factors too. So like your call outs and drag out right. You so you just your in game yeah. leader can do everything else for you, and you have yeah. the rest of the munchkins sat there on Adderall just fragging out yeah. all day, and you've got yeah. four symptoms slash zyrus. <laughs> one of the things um, I learned, yeah, one of the things I learned when I was doing uh, drug courts, um, this is actually kind of cool. Is Adderall is actually very hard unless they've changed things in the last couple of years. It's actually very hard to catch people on because of the half life that Adderall has and the way that it kind of diminishes. And so that's hard. Also, Adderalls used to be pretty easy to get prescribed. So, I mean, so ESL I know because I've obviously worked a lot of their events. They do drug testing, and you often see players pulled off for it. I don't think they're testing all players. I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm just, this is just my my understanding of it. Um, but I feel like all TOs on a tier one level in any game should be drug testing players, full stop. Like, sure, if they want to yeah. smoke weed, that's probably not going to help your game, right? And I very much doubt they're smoking weed before their games or anything like that. But performance-enhancing drugs should definitely be looked at in some ways. Um, we're just maybe not on that level where it's possible across the board yet obviously agreements, legalities, and how things yeah. come into it. But it, it definitely needs some more work being done to it. Yeah. Okay, so next one comes up from the Morkster. Um, do you think TOs are doing a good job of allowing people to get their foot in the door for esports? Some, yes. Some, yes, when they don't mean to. Maybe they have lower budgets and they let newer people try. Some people who just let people have, like, there's been tournaments right where still run in China where they just put the IP live on GoTV and then you can just, stream and play the game right you can just commentate away but i feel like we're in a much better position for it now um again it comes back to like what we and you spoke about blake where people can often not choose the right game or be too ambitious yeah. like i see so many commentators i've been commentating for four years well i started when csgo first came out and look i've only just got here in the last couple of years so you got a long way to go on this ride as more talent comes in. And, and also some people are just not good, sadly. Like not yeah. everyone can be a commentator. You may love it. You may think you sound good and, and everything's working. But again, if the community like you enough, you will be picked up. Like Scrawny, he got picked up. If I'm right, I could be wrong, but I think it's from he commentated a knife round, right? And put his clip on Reddit and it gave, it made numbers and people discovered him. There you go. It can happen. Like... It, it, it's just one of those things like look at think of it this way same as being a player everyone wants to be in a premier league playing football if they like football but look how many people can actually make it that far millions of people try and yet a team doesn't have that many players you know like you, yeah. you can't let everyone play not everyone can live out their dream and it's the same in anything in life and, and i think people just consider esports to be like such a small part where like oh i can still make it in it's like we're actually a lot bigger than maybe you give it credit or think about so we got another question coming in. Uh, this is interesting because I didn't even think about asking about this earlier today. Uh, what are your thoughts on Flashpoint? Uh, this person, this comes from Barathaster69. It feels more relaxed than uh, other events at the moment. Very entertaining. What do you think about Flashpoint? Love the content. I think the teams, obviously, they can't do anything about that. It's not exactly the best teams. Um, I 100% wish that they could sort a lot of their production issues out. But that lies with more face it who are doing production. I believe it's getting better. I haven't watched any of the games today, obviously, because I've been doing this. Um, yeah. So I can check that out afterwards. Um, 
but like it's definitely more relaxed just makes it a lot more fun uh trying to force players to do banter and stuff is not good like i did it a blast and i worked with the guys there by picking certain players and talking to them and saying like if you're up for it but otherwise i just make them shake hands and maybe just talk a little bit to each other but i think like it, it's one of those ones where don't force them to be what they're not because then it comes off awkward like if trash talk happens and it's legit yeah awesome i think that that's a skill that can be learned though I, that's... It can be learned, but I don't agree with it being fake. That's... I'm, I'm against the whole fake side, right? Like, yeah. I, I know that Smooth is going to talk shit, but, like, I don't want someone to try and make, I don't know, Cadian, who is the nicest person you will ever yeah. meet, try and talk shit. That's to fair. Smooth, it's just not, it's, it's like, it doesn't matter if he fakes it. It doesn't matter if you put him through acting classes. It's still going to be bullshit. Like, I, I don't yeah. want that. I want, why do we like boxing and, and, and stuff like MMA and yeah. things like that, right? And what they do, because... It's natural. It's testosterone. These two guys are gunning for each other to fuck each other up, you know? Like, that, that's kind of their job. In CSGO, we're banging each other out on the server. What I love more is when we capture the emotions of, like, where they stand up and then maybe shout across to the other team or they do a huge clutch and they go wild and things like that. Or when they lose, they hit the desk. That's the shit I want to see more of. Like, let your emotions flow. As long as it's not physically to someone else, then call them down. Okay. Awesome. So uh, if if guys have no more questions, I'm pretty good. I've asked. Oh my god, three hours, buddy. You're you're not hitting the record. It's like Sir Scoots has that, and I don't think uh, Anders might have beat him, but no, it's close. I'm about to say Sir Scoots is like he he's a talker. He can. Oh yeah. God, he's he, and I, he's, I he's older too, so that I has a lot of stories. In 2011, when he was working for Evil Genius, and um, I think it was like the first 25 minute interview I ever did, and that was like me having to hold the microphone and do this shit. I was like, oh yeah. Oh my god, like my arm can't handle it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I really appreciate you being on the show. I hope everyone at home enjoyed the show. It's been a, a fun one to do. Um, if you have any shout outs or anything, uh, you're more than welcome to throw them out. Um, I know you're working from home and doing a lot of streaming right now. If you guys want to follow his stream, if you type exclamation point guest, his Twitter and stream are there. You can follow them, which you should. Uh, you slimy people, go ahead and follow him if you're not. Okay. Um, <laughs> So go follow him. Uh, but if you have any other shout-outs, go ahead. Uh, hopefully my parents don't kill me for everything I've leaked out information on life. Um, obviously, huge love to everyone for supporting and, and, and just helping me out across all these different times. Um, hopefully you can see that the, the honesty and the openness is something I want to keep doing, and I think it's what more people should do in life. I, I try to inspire anyone or motivate people in fitness, in work. If people, like I always say, it's on my Twitter, if, if you're, you're struggling with depression and things, you want to drop me a DM. I, I do check my DMs, my requested DMs. I, I regularly look through them. Don't expect to answer like instantly, you know, like a, it, is, it is one of those things, but I do try and respond to everyone. And I think that's the benefit that I do that a lot of other talent don't do is I respond to everything I get. Even the shit, I, I believe in it. Like I, I'll just talk around how it goes. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, just um, I'm, I'm always overwhelmed with support. I never see myself as having fans. I don't believe the word of fans belongs in esports. Maybe for the players, yes, but for us as talent, I think like we're just other gamers. We're all in the same boat. We're just doing what we love and we have a passion for it. And obviously, I'm just incredibly lucky to have the family I have, to, to have Masha, the, the amazing girlfriend I have, to, to go and pull this last few months of madness and craziness and... Yeah, big thanks for, for you to finally putting up with having me on after we've uh, waited so long for this. We've been trying to organize this for a while. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just so happy I got you on here. So it, it was it was wonderful. I'm happy we got to talk. And I hope in the future we get to talk more because you're one of those people who I think I could talk to you all the time and I would be happy with that. So, oh, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. So, thank you so much. 
for everyone out there, this has been the Minds of Media. I hope you've enjoyed the stream. If you're not watching it live, I hope you enjoyed the video. Anyone who follows, subscribes, anything like that, I love you to death. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And until next time, I hope you all have a wonderful day.